1: Thing better than a glass of beer, is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 38 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How are you guys doing out there? Another Sunday? So you know what that means around here? We're having a vault episode and that's where I play one of my old player interviews from, uh, my now defunct website. And, uh, today's guest, uh, was, will be Riley Emerson. And, uh, I guess it's not today's guest, it's today's interview. Uh, but yeah, Riley Emerson, it was a great talk. Uh, we talked about it, you know, growing up in BC and his, and then, uh, going on the Western Hockey League with Tri-City and, uh, and his 10-year pro career and, um AHL East Coast uh and then of course over overseas to the UK and um in the Elite League and uh you know and you know like we do it around here um if anybody's listened to the show for a while you know how that goes um you know we time uh talk about everything and uh opponents teammates and uh get some get some stories and uh you know just uh you know get uh get Riley's story and uh I think you guys will really dig it I had a lot of fun talking to him and uh and, and, uh, I hope, um, as I said, it's episode 38, so, um, you, you know, you guys will go back and, and, check out the other 37 shows. Um, uh, every Wednesday is new content, and then, of course, uh, Sunday, um, is vault episodes. Um, so, of course, Wednesday I had Matt Nickerson on. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, we're getting, we're hitting the U- UK fans up here. Uh, Matt was a great guest. Now I've talked to Matt for quite a bit for a few years now and uh we had always planned on doing an episode and he just he wanted to wait until he retired and then uh yeah, we finally uh managed to uh you know get a time and and uh and connect and, and it was a great talk. Like I said over 2 hours and uh we covered it all from his time with the Texas Tornado to um you know, the unfortunate incident over in the, um, elite league with the fan and, uh, but we get to hear, uh, Matt's side of the story. And I know, you know, you go on, uh, even on YouTube when I was researching for the interview, um, you know, I, I rewatched the, the, uh, clips of the incident. And then of course it had the, the different commentary about it. And, um, well, actually, most of it was kind of right around the same. Was the same feeling I had. I was like, oh, the idiot should not have been standing there, you know. And uh, if anybody's to blame, if security and that goof um, is to blame. But uh, I'll uh, I'll let you guys here check out Matt's side of the story, and uh, and you can hear that. But it uh, was a great talk, and I appreciate Matt for coming on. and uh, And like I said, the other episodes had John Morasti and Sean McMorrow and um, you know Josh Mazer, Chris Graf, Tedorenko uh roman volpat on and on so go back please go back and check it out we're on all the major platforms and uh yeah and of course with the network you know we have 31 other nhl te- all the nhl teams are represented on the network so whatever team you happen to cheer for i'm gonna move my microphone here uh whatever team you happen to cheer for um there's a show for him and as well as terry ryan of course on the network as well and uh you know but i always have to mention my my uh my fellow podcasters um that are on the network but uh, you know they do great great shows um alec over at five for fighting just had this curtis tidbull interview up and uh Joe over the Coliseum Chronicles, he interviews um Islander players, ex Islander players and uh you know, tough guys and stuff. And um and he's taking a little bit of a break right now, a couple weeks, uh, you know, just to uh you know, regroup and gather and uh you know, which we all need to do at times and then of course uh bobby over at the uh, bucket drop podcast and he's actually doing the same he just actually released an episode with daniel amesbury that was a lot of fun to listen to and uh, i think he's doing one more episode then he's going to call it a call it a a, a day for 2020, 2020 anyway season one will be done and uh he'll be back in the new year but um no guys other than that um i'm not going to go on for too long it was it was funny i've um this episode is really, really different. I wasn't actually going to put out a, a, a vault episode. I was just to, uh, I was going to, uh, just kind of do a, a dashboard confessional, so to speak. I've been, I was, I was been driving around the last couple of days at work and I was kind of doing a, a voice to text kind of, uh, kind of thing. And I was just going to go over the notes later and, and then kind of just put them all together and, and, and do an episode that way. Um, you know, just a goofy week. Um, you know unfortunately our car got hit here it was a hit and run and kind of know the suspects of the idiots that moved in downstairs and you know we gave them an opportunity to you know come and say something that because it was late at night that happened so i was like okay well maybe they'll come over you know during the day uh, no nothing in fact they just walked right by my wife and you know it's like well all right and, you know we talked to the you know putting in the report it was just like ah, uh, just you know let the cops deal with it was basically what we were told. So it's all right. It's like, well, gave you an opportunity to say something and now you dummies are going to get a hit and run charge put on you, which is, you know, just no integrity. And it's just, you know, and they have younger kids too. And I'm, it's just like, you know, is this what you, this is the example you set? It's just, I don't know, pathetic, but, and it's like, oh, it was an accident. Just come over and say something. I'll work with you, you know, but so that was really frustrating. And then, um, the other thing I was saying, I was I was talking to a few friends um, about um, you know just what was going on in the world and and um, well it all started off okay I'll put it this way um, aside from reading the idiocy of so that is social media um, I went on Facebook for the first time in, in probably over a year. Um, I mean, I'll log into Facebook, but I just all I do is go right to the search thing, type in the enforce, Alex Enforcers Appreciation Fan Page, just read and check out the new pictures and stuff that are put on there, do a few spins of the My Vegas game, and log out. That's it. I don't ever look at my, I haven't looked at my profile, and like I haven't changed my profile picture in like five years, but it was like forever. I don't know why, because the last time I was on there, I just got irritated with it, and I don't know why. But of course, I went and scrolled my news feed. And, uh, it was just, uh, it was just really disappointing. And, um, you know, like I would say with Twitter, it's one thing. I mean, Twitter's a cesspool, but I mean, you're getting beaked off by some clown named Hurricane Boy 69. So it's like, they're just faceless trolls that, like, who gives a shit? But when it's Facebook and it's like, these are people you grew up with, some of them, and friends, you know, I've known since I was 14. You know, and they were at my wedding and, you know, I mean, yeah, they live in different parts of the world now, but, um, you know, we, like I said, we grew up, hung out for years together in some cases. And, uh, just to read that shit was just really, it was just pathetic, really. And, uh, and it's like, I always say, I, I, I don't hang out with stupid people. I don't associate with stupid people. So to read that was really just really disheartening. And the biggest one, I'm not going to get into names or whatever, but it was just um you know, they kind of went on this tirade about teachers and it was and it was really disheartening because my wife's a teacher, my mom was a teacher, um sister-in-law's a teacher. Um I have friends that are we have new and hi, him and I are, have numerous friends that are teachers. Uh, so I don't know why you would write what you wrote like without Putting, like And the fact that you have to spin everything into a political... Everything's political nowadays, which is so ridiculous. And it's like, I'm not going to get into a left, right, liberal, conservative... I don't give a shit about any of that. That's not what this is about. Or that's not what this should be about. It's just about human decency. And... You know, and I'm not going to get in. And it was because school's going back here right after here in the long way on Tuesday. And my wife's been um, getting ready for it. she teaches grade one. Um, you know, and she's and of course she's nervous and she's just trying to do the best that she can to keep your kids safe. Remember that. And the, her entire staff is they've had numerous meetings. They were on Zoom calls, everything getting ready to get your kids Educated, staying healthy. That's the biggest takeaway from all this. This is, they're doing this for the general, for the, to educate and at the same time keep the students safe. So to read that they would rather do nothing and stay home and collect money or just do it online because they're scared and then they don't really have to do any work was just really disheartening to read because. When all this happened, I watched the hours and hours that my wife put in online, uploading things, reading books, getting a hold of students to make sure they're if everything's going well, on and on. So to read my fr- my supposed friend write that, and then to say that he doesn't understand why they should be scared, and if they're scared, they're just sheep and gutless. It's just. Um, it was just really sad and uh yeah and so you know so to go along with everything else and you read people that you know that they oh, i don't like wearing masks well i haven't met anybody that likes wearing them so i don't you know i get it i get everybody's frustration and of course the economy is really hurting and, and i know there's some people in some really bad situations and i fully i emphasize with them and and i get all that without a doubt and um you know it's it's tough but um this idea that um like somebody sent me the rod peterson his little two-minute tirade there and it's just like i get it but at the same time like when when he sits there and says he's he'll sign a waiver to go to a hockey game or whatever and if he gets it while he's willing to die like what the fuck like, wh- 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 like, oh, and then you see these other. Oh, I'm willing to die. Like, we wh- are not storming the beaches of Normandy, there, hero. It's a mask. Like, what are you? What are we doing? Like, just stop. Like, you sound ridiculous. It's a health thing, not a political thing. So, stop making it about politics. And it's just, you know. So I'm not. And I had talked about going into. Believe me, I had a whole rant about this and I was told to probably not do it or whatever and it was just, like I said a whole bunch of shit piled up today or over the week and I was just gonna I was gonna use this as a platform to vent really and uh, outside of hockey, I've, I've vented about hockey a million times but um, I'm just I'm not going to, I just wanted to talk about that and briefly and I'm done uh, and it has nothing to do if you want. Uh, all I'm asking is just be please think of the teachers when your kids go back to school, and all they're trying to do is keep them safe as well as educate them. That's all. That's all it is. There's not a plot, there's no scam, nothing. <clears throat> and believe me, the effort put and it's sure, there are some of the teachers that are useless. There's useless in everything. But don't judge the useless and say that all of them, because they're not. And I know this, my wife's staff had put in countless hours and come up with ideas and spent their own money on supplies. Because, oh, well, guess what? No supplies. Haven't got them yet. So I'm not sure how you're going to keep classroom clean. They were told they were going to get supplies, but no. So my wife has squirreled away and bought Lysol wipes and hand sanitizer. Now she has this, all this Norwax stuff that she got in order to keep this kids safe. So please, just remember that when they go back into the classroom. Do your part. Put on a mask. And, uh, you know, we'll get through it. I understand everybody's right. Fr- I'm right with you with the frustration part. I'm right with you. I want this to be over too. But it's not. Look at the numbers, and it's not. So let's just... And I know even if the numbers are very low... They can get out out in a hurry. And we just read today that there's a new case here in at the old folks' home. So I really hope it doesn't spread. And there's been upticks in Alberta and B.C. and everywhere else. So I I really hope that it stays in control, or doesn't get out of control, I guess, and and everyone, you know, gets through it. Because, you know, and like I said, and then the other thing when I read, it's like, oh, we're lucky in Western Canada, only 480 people have died. Only 480. That's how you're going to look at it. You know, it's such a, um, when did, it's such a callous society. You know, I read on Twitter that there's all, there's only been 180,000 deaths in the states. And then they try to, oh, it's only point, blah, 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 3%. Um, it's just, think about what I just said for a second. That's somebody's parents, grandparents son or daughter to just dismiss it as no only all because you're trying to make a point of you shouldn't have to wear a mask at a Regina Pats hockey game just think about it pretty sad but I'm done talking about that and I mean I guess if at the end of the day if common sense and uh just general empathy causes me to lose listeners or followers on Twitter well then I guess I have and that's ridiculous all I'm asking you is stay safe think of others and uh, let's get through this because we all want to go back to normal and it's not normal right now so let's just uh, keep that in mind please that's all I'm asking okay alright I'm uh, I'm done talking about this for, for today and uh, yeah I didn't mean to bring the whole thing down I mean I was just like I said this is just kind of a you know hey it's my show it's my podcast I'm going to say what I want to say and that was just my what I was going through this week and some issues and, um, and like I said I'm not uh, pointing fingers at, at anyone or any side or anything I'm just asking in general from my point of view that's how I feel if you disagree or think i'm full of shit or whatever tweet me or do your own podcast and call me out then you know whatever but all i'm just asking for is um think of others and uh stay safe i want everybody to be safe so we can all come back on here and you can all log in and tweet at me (laughs) how how shitty my podcast is (laughs) or whatever whatever you want to do but um yeah other than that uh that's that's it for uh for today um i don't i'm really not sure who my guest is going to be on on, on uh, wednesday i have a few things lined up i've done a part one w- with a character and uh hopefully we can get part two wrapped up and uh but other than that uh yeah got some irons in the fire like we always do and uh we'll see but uh other, before we go i've just got a uh, one of the sponsors for the uh, network is Uh, Coolhockey.com They sell jerseys They've been around since 1999 And uh, NHLPA endorsed And I know a lot of listeners out there Are really into into the hockey jerseys and stuff And they don't like the knockoffs They want the real thing Well, here's a good opportunity for you Um, Like I said, they sponsor the network So at checkout If you type in uh, THPN The Hockey Podcast Network THPN, you get 30% off They're out of Toronto And uh, free shipping and uh, I've always used the example, I was at Jersey City here in the Midtown Mall a few months ago, and uh, th- those exact jerseys with Crosby or Eichel or Price or whoever, were the real ones, um, were $300, and that's before tax. And this, um, these ones, you're looking, I'd, I did a McGratton, number 16, Calgary Flames, third jersey. Um, it was $180, $185.99, <coughs> pardon me, with uh, free shipping. So there you go, half the price. You can't beat it with a stick. There you go, what can one more what man what can one Jesus, I screwed that up. What more can one man do for you? Um But uh no and like I said I've I've had other I've had uh, people on Twitter have have ordered from from Cool Hockey and have done all positive reviews and the quality was great and the shipping was quick and uh, yeah and I know uh, I know Joe out there listening he big Islander guy I know he's been he's been talking for the last couple of weeks that uh, you know he's really looking forward to ordering that Kenny Johnson Islanders jersey so I think he'll look pretty sharp in that and uh, but yeah I mean you're ordering jerseys and you're helping the network out everyone wins and. Uh, i hope you guys uh like i said hopefully the passive savings on to you and uh as well as uh you know like i said you you keep the uh keep the network floating here you should and the boys doing a great job but it's on their dime and they got to babysit 40 some podcasts so which has got to be annoying as shit i can't i can barely keep up with this one so but they do a great job so uh any little help for them would be great so uh but other than that folks let's get rolling this is uh you know and like i said if uh you know, I'm sorry if I listen there. And you're outraged now, or whatever, but um, you know that's just a, yeah, that's my feel. We're all allowed to, have, like I said, we're all allowed to have our opinions and our our thoughts on things. And I'm just uh, giving it to you from a from a husband of a of a very nervous teacher right now. That, uh, but she is definitely looking forward to um, going back and teaching the kids and seeing all the kids again. And uh, passionate about her job, and puts a lot of time into it, and and genuinely loves and cares for those kids so um all they're all the all she's asking for in return is to um respect the safety guidelines and uh you know hang i know it's going to be tough and it's going to be uncomfortable and a little different but uh we'll get through it that's all i'm asking if you guys if uh you could put that into your life with your kids going to school um everyone's just trying their best that's all it's not politically motivated at all or anything like that. It's just everyone's trying to stay safe. So that's all I ask, folks. But uh, other than that, let's roll. All right, here is my talk with Riley Emerson. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are the 4th Live Voice podcast all the way out in BC on the phone. A man who played in the BC Junior League a couple years in the Western Hockey League and then 10 years a pro, uh, Riley Emerson. Riley, how are you doing today?
0: Good, Darren. Thanks for
1: having me, Bud. Hey, thanks. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. And like I tell all the guests, I was talking to you before we got going and setting this up. We're gonna, uh, you know, we'll start at the beginning. We'll timeline your career. We'll start. We'll start in uh, minor hockey and go all the way up, and uh, we'll we'll end in the UK and uh, and a few stories in between. I could imagine. So uh, let's just say you grew up in uh, in BC, played minor hockey there, correct?
0: Yeah, I yeah, grew up in uh, Abbotsford. Played all of Abbotsford minor hockey growing up, and uh, you know, didn't really play Triple A hockey till my last year. At Bantam. Uh, that was the one I uh, was fortunate enough to play. You know, Bantam Triple A, and you know, I was six foot one and in Bantam, and you know, full you contact. You start getting noticed, and you know, like we we're talking before, both my brothers were playing juniors at the time, and uh, you know, so I kind of knew, you know, the role I was going to play going into juniors or if I was fortunate enough to make juniors, I was going to be a big kid and I was probably going to end up fighting. So definitely accepted that role pretty early. So, uh, you know, I went from there and then, uh, and it, it was just funny. Like it, it was great growing up in minor hockey and then going to watch my brothers play juniors all the time. And, you know, they're fighting all the big heavyweights. Like my brother got to fight Garrett Strokeshine and Dan Mahe, Ashley Langdon. And, um, Taylor was fighting Adam Knight, Travis Churchman. So you know it was something for me—a great hockey memory that I can take was watching my brothers play juniors.
1: Yeah, well, like you mentioned before, yeah, Jordan and Taylor played in the in the uh, in the BC uh, BCHL, and uh, you would follow suit with the Chilliwack Chiefs in 2003 four. Um, yeah, well, growing up, and I mean, I, I, how big are your parents? Because I mean,
0: uh, well, how big uh, jo-
1: how big is jo- how big are Jordan and Taylor?
0: Jordan's like six two and a bit, and Taylor's like six five. And um, when Taylor played, he was probably two twenty, and Jordan was like two fifteen. And um, you know, and I was 6'4 when I got to Junior B in, in Campbell River my sixteen year old year. And then my going from sixteen to seventeen when I went to Chilliwack, I grew three inches that summer, and I went from six four to six seven and uh just sprouted over every one of my old man's uh six seven in the bed he's about 365 370 uh <laughs> ex-adversive police officer and he's, he was definitely his hands are ginormous big monster human being and uh he's uh he's just a wonderful man my mom's about five nine five ten so definitely come from a large family so that's where we got all of our size and and our rugged good looks
1: there you go, yeah. While well, I was laughing, yeah, you're Jordan. The what we say the, the midget at six three. Yeah.
0: yeah, he always he always jokes and says, "Am I the mailman's kid?" Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and we just can't, we can't stop laughing. My 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 wife's six foot three, and uh, she's she's a bit taller than him. And he's like, "Come on, like I need, I can't even get this." So uh, your, we get to uh, we get to laugh at him. Your wife six so, foot three. My wife is six foot three. Jesus, yeah, so,
1: your, your kids are going to be like Shaq. They'll be like 7'2". Yeah, I got,
0: a, I got a six-year-old and a two-year-old, so uh, uh, they're both boys, and yeah, they're definitely Liam's quite tall for his age, and Luffy's start, starting to hit a sprout, so. Uh, they're long and lean, like their mom. Thank God, <laughs> not like me.
1: Well, I was just say, your old man at uh, six, seven, and like three fifty. Crime must have been at an all-time low in Abbotsford at that time. Do you imagine yeah. a cop rolling up on you? And they're that big. Be like, oh yeah, you'd settle
0: down in a real hurry. I can tell you exactly. Yeah, yeah. The worst story. The worst story she has is pretty awesome, and uh, he loved his job, and he he ha- he's happily retired now. So it's it's uh, pretty awesome.
1: Well, wow, so like obviously hockey family and growing up i mean and being the youngest i mean you probably got on the job training i mean you probably got your ass kicked daily i'd imagine growing up oh
0: yeah definitely uh many sticks in the house of roller hockey just parents would leave for the day it would be summertime and we would uh we, we used to we used to wrestle my parents room like have full wrestling matches and we used to have the old wwf video game on and we'd turn on the starting music so we'd all come out to like and it would be like I'd always have to wrestle Taylor <laughs> and the winner of that would get to wrestle Jordan and I would just get hammered on and it was just so much fun and then going uh and then growing up and then after after my banner Triple A year, I was going to my first junior camp and uh we're at a power skating session in Langley and my dad goes, Taylor, teach Riley how to fight and I'm like fourteen years old. And I'm like, What? And Taylor's like, okay so we're like sitting there and we like start grappling and he's like, Riley, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you. I'm like, well, what do I do? He just strokes me with a right hand right in the face. I'm like, so right when he hits me and he smiles and I'm just like, fuck you. And I just freaking punch him right back. And next thing though, I bury my head and he's teeing off on me and I'm not stopping. I'm throwing two, and I'm not landing anything. And he's just beating the wheels off me. Like just probably And my dad's like, oh shit. So my dad's yelling, "Help! Someone stop it! Stop it!" And, and, <laughs> and like three people from the dressing room had to come and break this up. And then he looks at me, and my brother Taylor looks at me. He taps me on the back, and he goes, "You're gonna be fine, kid. Trust me." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay." So like I go to my first my first like fight, who wasn't my brother, it was at a global camp, and some guy cross checks me from the net, so I push him back, and he drops his glove, and I drop mine, and he like, I grab onto you know, I just like punch him twice and he falls. So I was like, oh, this is nice. So I was like six foot four at the time, or six foot two at the time. So, you know, it was pretty easy to get my, my feet wet. But, you know, I always worked with my brothers on, you know, wrestling and, and I could definitely take a beating and you know, I definitely did throughout my career here and there. So it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Just my dad's like, oh shit, what I do. And Taylor is just loving it getting to beat up his younger brother after a power skating session like this. Ridiculous. It looks like two mutants.
1: <laughs> oh, the Emersons would have been the talk of the town.
0: <laughs> oh, so we, 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 we had a lot of stories. Like, I remember I had a coach when I was in Pee Wee freaking literally told me I was going to do be nothing in hockey and I was in Pee Wee like first. year. He's like, you should just quit hockey. Like, you're you're going to do nothing. Like You should quit. And I'm like, hey, what kind of coach tells a player that? No
2: like, kidding.
0: What are you doing? And, and then, after I got drafted, we, uh, printed out the newspaper article and left it on his front steps. You can kind of take that humble little humble brag right there, but um,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, I was pretty rattled at that guy. I was, you don't have to say that to kids. Like you're not there. Not every kid's going to make the NHL, but you know, you're supposed to be there to be a leader and a venture and a role model for these kids, not to sit there and cut kids down. So, wow. uh, that was a good little tip of my cap to me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I would oh, I would have said yeah. the you should have taped the uh the the uh draft day eight by ten uh Minnesota headshot on the door. Yeah, that uh <laughs> exactly. yeah tool. Yeah. Well did you, yeah. so you play um junior did you go in the Bantam draft at all?
0: No, I did not. Uh I didn't go in the Bantam draft but I got listed by Kelowna, my sixteen year old year when I was in in Chamba River and um you know, Ed Kingston was a big scout for them and he owned uh the over Storm so he brought me out there and um I was you know, I got to go to Kelownis Camp as a sixteen year old and both my brothers both fought Stephen Sunderman, so I'm coming in as a sixteen year old. Uh make main camp, do you know, playing in main camp doing really well and um Jordan and Taylor at the time were both playing in merit for the Centennial So I went to the Centennials camp and I did really well there. But I was like, well I'm gonna go to the Western League. And try out there so I went to the Western League and you know my parents knew everything about it I was the only stay for a certain amount of time yada 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 and and uh so I make main camp the first game we're playing Kyle McLeod, Cam Paddock all those guys so Paddock cuts across the middle and I slash him and like not thinking anything about it and so I got sick and I don't really think like oh these some of these guys are gonna be going to NHL camps like you know I'm just a 16 year old kid who's just happy to be there and so I got Kyle McCugg screaming at me, six foot seven, like 240, shredded at the time. I'm shitting my pants. I'm like, oh my gosh. So the next day we play Sunderman on another team and he flies out first shift in just tomahawks and he's like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, no, I'm not fighting you. And he's like, you're fighting me right now. And I, I didn't do it. And you know, that's one thing I kind of wish I did, like just got my feet wet right away. And I, he, you know, he, I was intimidated at the time. So some other guy comes out and I fight him and and him and I go. So uh Lucas Girodi and he was it was a great fight. He hit me so fucking hard too. And uh, it, it was good. So but I didn't have fighting Stefan, but uh you know, I went back to Campbell River that year and you know, worked on my game and kinda of learned about fighting more and and uh it was good, but that was a fun story from Kelowna. I was just fucking in my pants on the bench, the crowd screaming at me. I was like, Oh shit, here I go, what am I getting myself into?
1: Oh yeah, so, so there's all there. Yeah, the camp stories. Yeah, you do, you don't want the vets chased. Yeah, that's for sure. But well, yeah, I guess yeah. I, I
0: didn't I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. Like fucking, I was doing anything stupid or you know just playing and trying to play hard and didn't know. But you know, once I got older and realized, you know, when I was in their position, I was like, okay, well, you know, now I knew where they were coming from and put myself in their shoes. So definitely, completely understood that. So.
1: Well, no, absolutely. Well, at 17, so 2003, and 2004, you, you uh, did you go to a dub camp or did you just go to Chilliwack right away?
0: Um, I went to Chilliwack right I was still with Kelowna, but I didn't go there. Um, just, uh, d- just didn't end up working out. So they ended up delisting me and I, um, my dad wanted me to closer to home. And so my dad calls Harvey Smeel with Chilliwack and it's like, hi, i name's Gary Emerson. Um, you know, I'm interested if you like the, to- I have a look at my son and so he's like so what's your name is like Gary Emerson he's like there's another Emerson he's like yeah my son Riley, he'd be 17 he played junior b last year and Harvey hadn't even never seen me play Harvey goes I'll sign him right now I'm gonna commit to him for the whole year right now And I was like why he goes I'm sick of I'm sick of my team getting beat up by Emerson so I might as well have one on my fucking team so <laughs> I signed with Cholak and um you know I went to Cholak's camp uh, as a 17 year old I had Twelve fights in uh, in in rookie and main camp combined, and it was an uh, absolute melee. I remember I was seventeen. and There's this guy from Chilock, he was twenty year old, never made the team, but he played for Portal Bernie that year. He was six foot nine. Er- His name was Aaron Freed. He was this big farm boy, long blonde hair. But the middle of rookie camp, like the second period. and Everyone's like, all right, these guys got it go. all. I'm like six seven at the time. He's six, a bit bigger than me. So. We line up and start the second period, and I'm like, "Let's just get this over with." He's like, "Okay." I was like, "Take it easy on me." And I'm like, he's a big, huge, fucking shredded twenty-year-old. I'm this little kid who's so babysat all over him, but I'm like, "All right, let's just get this over with." So he's just hammering away on me, and I I end up ripping his jersey, and I don't really grab onto. So I grab the back of his head, and he's got long hair, so I like grab his head, and I just I hit him with one, and it just. I cleaned one, and I end up at the end. I end up taking over. It was a really good fight. But it was probably a draw, maybe an edge to me. But I still remember I had a chunk of his hair in my hand. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Oh, I'm like shit. I'm so sorry, man." He goes, "Ah, oh, no worries. There's nothing you can do about it." And then, um, all if we find out after that, all, all the coaches were outside having a dart while the fight was going on. So then they come back out and they're like, "You just missed Emerson Creed fight," and they're all freaking rattled and laughing about it, and then uh, it was just, just, a, just a classic story. We all laughed about it later, like, oh, so we pretty much fought for nothing. No one saw it. So, <laughs> but uh, it was good. It was good. So, oh, it was, it was the, a fun year in Chile,
1: The joys of Jungle A. Well, they're... Um, oh, definitely. Well let's, well, let's throw some characters out that you played against, with and against. One. Well, we'll start with the two characters you played with, the Hunt brothers. Garrett and Trevor, well, how and of course everybody listening, Garrett Hunt. Everyone, everyone who's listening knows who Garrett Hunt is. I mean, that's like uh, that guy played like a super ball, insane.
0: He, um, uh, he was a, he's an absolute truck. Just fearless as to be it was awesome. He was uh, he was a, he was a character. Both of those kids, both Trevor and Garrett, were characters, and you know we always kept in contact. And you know Garrett and I were fortunate to play in Stockton together as well. Later on in our career, so, uh, but, you know, Garrett, Garrett when he was in Chilliwack, just, didn't, he didn't even play hockey. He just ran around and just buried guys, and that's all he did, and then he'd fight, and, uh, he would, and you know, we'd be winning at the end of the game in the old Chilliwack Coliseum, next thing you know, the crowd would start chanting, hunt, 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 and the whole crowd's chanting, Garrett or Trevor would step out, you know, and then, then I started fighting more, and there would be, and we're and then we'd step out and the crowd would just erupt. We didn't even have to fight and it was just, it was just unbelievable. And Chilliwack was, it was absolutely amazing. It was, it was and it still is a fir- an absolute first class organization over there. So those, those guys were nuts. There's so much fun. They, and Garrett taught me a big trick that I used, you know, later on. Um, Garrett would Vaseline his face up before games, like soak his face in Vaseline. So he's like, he's like, Emmer, you gotta do this, man. It helps it helps all the punches slide so I'm like okay so just bashed my face up I got into a fight that night and I think I fought Ed, Ed Papadato big 6 foot 4 lefty um and one of his he just hammered me the left and then flips off but it still fucking hurts but just hammers me with his left and I'm like oh okay so just fuck it this just called Toto and it was just so much fun so after that I, I always bashed and leave my face up every single game after that no, no matter what so it was one of my superstitions. After that, well, there so, you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and you played with a guy, yep. Adam Powell, Corey Grabowski. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Um, anyway, listen. Of course, they played. Uh, Corey played in the Southern Professional League later with Jacksonville, and uh,
0: but yeah, yeah, it's one. He was, uh, he, he was tough. He grew up with my brother, so he was an Abington boys' ball. So yep. I was really familiar with him. And Grabber is a beauty. And, you know, he had I think it was uh he had quite a few concussions but he was a great teammate and he was definitely a character as well and he liked to chuckle me. He was a big he was a brick shithouse. so um it was fun watching him fight. I never him and Kid Bull had a big fight one game in Chilliwack, and then we were winning and it was like two or three minutes left in the game and Kid Bull's like, Corey, let's go, let's go again, let's go again and I was like and I yell yelled Corey, I'm like, Send him my way And Corey's like, What? And then Kid Bull's like, What? I'm like me a he's like really I'm like yeah so him and I square up and you know I end up just getting them strung out at the end and just throwing as fast as I can you know 17 years old fighting this big 20 year old guy from the queue and um, you know I end up getting the better of him and then the whole crowd surfed Channing Emerson and just after the fight I just skated right off the ice to the locker room didn't celebrate didn't do anything I was just you know fortunate enough to have been able to fight you know such a you know uh, such a well known name out there and um, you know come out of it alive at least so um uh it was pretty fun but it was a, definitely a great memory and grabber's like you didn't have to fight him i'm like why well, wouldn't i you already fought him you don't have to fight every all the time you got a six foot seven, seven guy next to you i don't mind fighting so like, just ask me bud so Corey was a great guy
1: yeah well you guys it's such a so. tough team and that uh, is always a, just a tough organization going back and the alumni there it's never a sh- no shortage of toughness that's for sure um but yeah. yeah, just that, that league that year, I mean, like you said, Curtis Tidbull, I mean, legendary enforcer there, and, um, you know, Jay Bernie, and Chris, Frank, and Tyson Angus, and, uh, there's a, w- one character I wanted to ask you about was, uh, Bubba Westwood.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was up in Quinnell. Yes. I never got to fight him, but, uh, yeah, he, he was, uh, he was a pretty tough guy, and, you know, I, I only played against him in one game, and, and he did, he, he had no interest in when we played them, because we had, like, guys who could fight, so. He was kind of quiet in that game, so, you know, I don't really remember it too much, but he definitely could chuck him, and I know, I know the time when we played against him, he, he was pretty quiet, but when he got Hunt Brothers and Emerson and Powell, uh, we had Matt Chacho who could chuck him pretty good, Henry St. Arnaud, who was like a light, heavy, a light middleweight, so we had so much toughness in Joe Lack, it was absolutely ridiculous, so, yeah, um, it, it, we, were, we were pretty fortunate, but he was definitely, uh, he was a big body, but, yeah, against us, he didn't really do much, so, you know, but definitely, we were talking about I would going to have on my part.
1: so. Well, it was funny, because I was just looking, yeah, because he led the league in Pims that year with 430, and I know I have a few mm-hmm. fight DVDs, and it was, like, Westwood's, like, all over him, so I, like, I had to ask you about him. Um, yeah. Well, so, you, you kind of get, uh, you know, you you get your feet wet in the junior scene, um, you know, 52 mm-hmm. games that year, 137 minutes. Um and now it's off to, uh, Tri-Cities, so, um, how, how'd uh, you end up there, you just walked on, or did they sign you?
0: Well, I, I start, I was, I got listed by Vancouver, the Giants, and, uh, went out to a couple of summer skates with them, met with Don Hay, and, you know, Don pretty much should up told me, goes Riley, I'm gonna move you to forward, and you're gonna fight, you know, at the time I was playing defense, and, um, I was kind of like, really? Like, you know, he goes, you know, we'll try a D and C A R, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to turn you into a hockey player and you're going to play forward. Said, okay. So I skated a couple times and then Chilliwack found out I was skating with the Giants and they were kind of pissed. So I ended up going back to because I, I actually had pretty solid grades in school. Like I wasn't a dumb kid. I, I had a good SATs and I was like a straight A student. So, um, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe I could go to, you know, I could go to college or something like that. Cause I wasn't that bad of a hockey player. Um, so the first couple of games in Chalilac, I'm playing really well. We're playing in Coquitlam and I'm I, um, I'm not, I, I, I didn't cite that game, but I, I played, I played well and I had a couple of big hits and, you know, making good first, first breakout passes. And then uh, Bob Torrey and was at the game. So he finds my dad and he goes, hi, Mr. Emerson, because Vancouver had delisted me by then. He goes, you know, we'd be interested if Riley would come down and play for us for the rest of the year. And I was like, oh, well, I'll talk to him about it. And then one of the guys who worked for Chilliwack heard that and ran down to the, ran down to the team. And I didn't play for the next game and a half. I just dressed and they pretty much sat me on the bench. So after the game on Saturday, I packed my gear and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you going to treat me like a top guy. I might as well go to it where I'm going to be fighting the biggest and baddest, toughest guys around. And I can at least get some education out of it. So I uh, the next day I decided to pack up and I and I got and I went down to Tri with My old man left Monday morning, drove me down to Tri Cities, and you know that was it. So it was a pretty quick decision. So but I definitely definitely cherished my time in in Chalowack and Harvey Smail was a legendary coach and he was awesome and D class there as well who you know definitely helped me out and um, was good. But you know if they're just gonna pigeonhole me as just a tough guy. I was like, oh I might if I well go to the Western League, where you know I'm going to get the more most exposure. So. Uh, yeah, I went up there, and, and that's
1: where I started off in the, in the dub. Well, there you go. yes. Yeah, so you played the 35 games there, and uh, your coach is, uh, of course, uh, uh, former NHL tough guy uh, uh, Don Nachbar. Um Now, <laughs> now I've heard some. I've talked to guys. I've heard stories. Um, what was what are your what are your takes on uh, on Don?
0: Uh, I, I love Don. I, I I like Don for me like, you know, cause he was a tough guy. He taught me a lot about momentum, shifting momentum, kind of like I was with McIntyre, when you were talking with him, you know, how he learned about, you know, the shift of momentum when and not to fight. And he helped me with a lot of, like he broke down pretty much all my fights too. We video them. We talked. you know, he thinking about doing this and he'd even wrestled with me here in after practice. And, um, you know, he, he, he was great for me. I, I definitely can see where some guys did like him. He, he definitely liked to, to play some mind games. He definitely played a couple with me, uh, my second year though my first year he was he was fine he, he wasn't anything my second year after I had drafted he uh, he played a couple I remember at the start of the year I wasn't fighting that much and then he's like yeah fighting enough I said, okay so the next fight the next game I go I have two fights and he doesn't say anything and then we have like a home and home with Portland and then we're in Portland and we're winning 6-0 and it's right at the end of the game and Garth Collins jumps me like behind the plate jumps me so I drop my gloves and him and I go toe toe and by chance, when that's happening, one of our guys, Ian McDonald's is on a breakaway, and they blow it down right before he's above the score. And the iMac at the time was lighting it up. And, um, so we fight, whatever, blah, 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 it's over. We get home from a six hour bus trip and off He's like, Emerson, come to the office. I want to talk with you. Well, like, okay. So we there, he's like, why are you fighting? I'm like, why? like, why are you fighting? He's like, our guy's on a breakaway. I was like, we're fucking up six nothing. I just jumped." He's like, what, well, can't take a punch for your teammate? I was like, I've been t- taking punches for teammates for the past three years playing juniors. He's like, oh, really? Only the Vimax in the scoring race and that one breakaway could have made a break? break? And I was like, well, I'm sorry, and I'll apologize to IMAX about that. I was like, but you just told me I'm not fighting enough, but I just got jumps. I got another fight under, under my belt. Like, what do you want from me? He's like, well, you don't agree with me? I was like, no, I fucking don't agree with you. And he's like, get the hell out of my office, and he had kept me there like four thirty in the morning. He Was like trying to play mind games, and right from there, I, I called him out. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, like I don't fucking agree with you. And he, I think it kind of took him back, but I think per, like ultimately he did like it. But I was like, no, like, but he would play those little mind games, like you know, or he, like. I remember one game he scratched me. He's like, I'm scratching you tonight. I was like, why? He goes, I want to see how the team responds about you in the lineup. I was like, okay. So kind of like. I fucking don't even play. Like, it doesn't make sense. We got boogie. Actually, so like,
1: oh, Riley, can you, can you hold on for one second here? Yeah. Uh, so he gives you, a, so you're a healthy scratch You want to see how the team responds.
0: So, yeah, so I get healthy scratch and he's like, I want to see how the team responds. I was like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I'm playing pretty good right now. I shouldn't be getting scratched. And I was like, well, that's kind of stupid. So I was just like, like, those are my games Donnie like to do. But, you know, I think he's a great coach. I thought he was, he's a great junior coach. He got a lot out of a lot of his players, and. You know, a lot of his players were shit scared of him. Like, absolutely shit scared of him. we had a team party at the end of my first year there, and Donnie shows up, and guys were fucking jumping out of windows so they didn't get caught. They're <laughs> all sitting there. It's the end of the year, and he's like, you know, and i like, what the heck? And then, like, my 19-year-old year, we, um, a bunch of us 19- and 20-year-old guys, we went over to uh, a friend's house, and actually um, the girl I was dating at the time. She had her own place. So, like, But like me, Bugard, Logan Stevenson, Matt, Matthew Schneider, like, like four or five other guys, we go there, we're just having some beers, and we all end up spending the night, and he finds out, and he calls me, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you missed curfew, I'm like, Donnie, like, I'm not fucking stupid, like, I'm not, I know I'm probably not gonna be back next year. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm not, I got two fucking points in two years. I'm not coming back next year as a 20 year old, so like, I was like, I'm gonna enjoy a night with my friends and my teammates, that I played with him the last two years because some of them I may never see again. And he's like trying to get mad at me. I'm like, Donnie, you can get mad at me all you want, but like, that's what I did. And, and, and you can do whatever you want, but the season's over. Like, we're out of playoffs. And he was just like, you didn't say anything, hung up and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, he was good, man. He really, I think he really helped, I think he helped get me drafted. And, and, um, you know, he was, he, he was great for me though, Donnie. I can see where some people, you know, definitely were, uh, you know a bit off on him but you know he was a he was a great junior coach and you know he's had some good success after so i'm um, definitely fortunate enough to play for, for for someone like him
1: well and uh one of the one of your teammates you, you will get into the tough guys but uh between the pipes was uh was uh carrie price um
0: oh, he's so he was so good even when he was like 17 oh my gosh it was ridiculous Absolutely ridiculous. He was, he was awesome. And the year, the year that Lockout was there, uh, Oleg Kolsig was, uh, Oli was out all the time with us in full gear. And cause he was part owner of the team as well. So he was out there all the time. And even Oli was like, Carrie is unbelievable. Like he's like, he's almost better than me right now. Like, and it was awesome. Like when Oli came out, like we, we, we told snaps. That like first time someone scores on Oli, the whole team's gonna drop all their gloves and rip their helmets off. We're gonna have a full team celebration. So it was like the second drill, and one of our sixteen year comes down and scores on them. and the whole team, all the gloves come off, and we all just rush on the ice. And this Kozik was dying laughing. Like I got never seen someone smile so big. It was just absolutely hilarious. But oh, uh, C- was uh w- was amazing. Like he was such a great goaltender. Um, he was awesome, awesome in Tri Cities and. You know, you can see the type of goalie he was. You can see he was a special talent at that young age and why well, he went sixth overall and, um, you know, and, and he's making $10.5 million a year now. So,
2: absolutely. Uh, you,
0: could, you could definitely see he's, uh, he's earned it, but he was, he was absolutely phenomenal and, and a, a hell of a teammate.
1: Excellent. Well, speaking of teammates, um, I'm going to throw a few at you while you brought up Logan Stevenson. Um, mm-hmm. you know, of course, your little boogie, uh, Aaron Bugard oh, yeah. and, uh, Another guy, Luke Hewitt. There's another guy. I mean, you guys had a yeah. fairly fairly tough team too. There wasn't too many people are gonna gonna mess around with the Tri City Americans.
0: Yeah, we uh, we had a pretty tough team. We had, you know, Luke, like you said Aaron, Logan, Clayton Stoner, Sean Bell was on our team. Andy Thompson was a 20 year old who who had been around. You know, so we, and we we had some guys who can chuck them. So we were definitely uh, had a lot of team toughness. So um, it was, it was great, and the little boogie was awesome. Again, <laughs> he, he he was a he was a hell of a character, and it was probably a little bit of animosity between us for a bit, but we kind of just let it go because he was drafted the year before I got there, and when I got drafted by Minnesota, he, they didn't qualify him and then they drafted me, so it was kind of like what the heck. So it, it was kind of bad, but you know, uh, Aaron didn't really have a good year fighting wise that year. He didn't fight too much for the next year. He came out. Our 19 year, I think he had like 20 something on sight or 30 sights. He fought everyone and it was awesome and he did unreal and he had some battles. Like him and Miles State had a ton of battles and they went toe to toe all the time. And, you know, boo, you got to hold of you and he, he hits you with one of those right hands. You're definitely going to feel it. So he was, uh, he was awesome. And he could fucking skate like the wind. He was so fast, like ridiculously fast. Like you wouldn't have thought it. Like he, he was such a fast skater. Like, cause he was just so big and strong.
1: Oh. Well, that's why i actually oh. tell everybody. I'm like the boot guards could skate
0: for yeah. his, for his even, big even Derek even Derek oh. even Derek could skate like absolutely. When you're six foot seven, like same with me. When you're six foot seven, of course it looks like you're going slow, yeah. but he could they could fucking wheel they could definitely wheel. Yeah, so. well when you're that yeah
1: well yeah you're six seven exactly when, when you're that big yeah it looks. Yo, I I think I don't know, maybe it's just it's the size thing visually you look awkward. It always looks awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're that, when you guys are that big, but yeah, you got, yeah, with your strides, and everything. Yeah, you guys are moving for sure. And, uh, yeah, Bugards, yeah, they're, uh, tough, tough cats. Um, well, and then, and like I was saying, uh, I was actually watching some old, uh, dub footage of you guys back at that time period. And I had mentioned Luke Hewitt and I didn't realize mm-hmm. at the time, but I think he had like 28 fights or something that year and he was just dumb oh, and just dummying guys. It was like,
0: no, he had a fuck, his right hand was so fucking mangled, but it was like, there was so much like scar tissue damage there that that, that thing turned into like a mallet. And he would, once he got that thing clo- like cocked and you got hit by it, like you were going to fucking feel it. And Luke, he had undercover long arms, like really long arms. Yeah. And, um, fuck, when when when, when he hit you with those fucking hammers, you, you felt them and, uh, he did great that year. He was very entertaining and, It was awesome to watch, and he was he was one hell of a human being too. He was just great; like he was awesome. Awesome to have in the locker room, and always chirping, and um, he was he he was funny. But he he would just he would go to a toll, and it was awesome. It was it was great to see. Like it was nice having that year. You know, where it wasn't just one guy fighting all the time, where we had a a bunch of guys who could you know share the load, and um, it's definitely one of the funnest years I've had playing. I had playing hockey.
1: Well, and that's the thing, like you said, when you have that, when that many guys, especially in the Western Hockey League at that time, I mean, when you got teams that are just, you know, loaded up, and it's like, yeah, so it's always nice to strengthen numbers, right? I mean, you know, and especially in that U.S. division like you guys were in, I mean, you know, you got Zach Fitzgerald and Fraser McLaren and Cody McLeod and Mitch Love and stays, and you know, I mean, and the Lynch and all these guys, and you're, you're running into them every night. Yeah, it's nice to know that, you know, if you're not feeling it that night, at least you got some help.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we definitely shared our workload real well and you know, the big, big, big heavies that Boogie and I could take care of and you know, Luke would fight some heavyweights and some light heavyweights and it was great. So I still remember my uh my first fight in the dub, I got the fucking wheel beat off me of by Andy Bossin. He he was a lefty I think he's a Saskatchewan boy. And in Kootenay, my first game in the dub, him and I square up and he switches up, and he just tees off on me. I'm like, "Oh, I just left till just came to the dub, and I just got the shit kicked out of me." I'm like, "Oh, it looks like I'm not playing hockey the rest of the year. I'm probably gonna get fucking cut now." And I still remember after the game, Bob Perry's like, "It's alright, Emerson. Eh, Not not every tough guy wins every fight, you know. If you don't, if you you don't lose a fight in your career, doesn't you know, means you're not a tough guy." So he's like, "Don't worry about it." Oh, it was real nice of Bob to say that to me. And, you know, I was just like, it's just still a feeling of anxiety after you're like, oh, geez. So I got to fight Andy again towards the end of the year where I definitely took, a, took it to him pretty good in that fight. So I definitely got a little bit of retribution there.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned how, uh, yeah, because that fight was September 24th, and you actually didn't fight mm-hmm. again till October 23rd. Were you... Uh, I don't want to say gun shy, but were you, at that point, were you a little hesitant or was it just, uh,
0: um, I, got, I got, actually got scratched a lot. Okay. So after that fight, I was, uh, it pretty much said you got to get faster, you got to get in better shape. So for like two weeks, two, three weeks, it was straight bag skates. I got, I got murdered every day. I, I'd go on the ice before practice with our assistant coach and they would skate me and, you know, they'd get me faster and they are transitioning me to forward and I think my next, game, my next fight I, I played, I, I fought McLaren, you know, and I held my own, kind of got my confidence back, so um, you know, it kind of got me in the back into the swing of things there, so um, and I and I knew I was going to fight, because Doc Baller, like, he's like, you're starting tonight, I was like, okay, got it, I'm going to fight, whatever it is, I'm going to fight him, so like, I I knew, and you know, I knew what I was there to do, and it was good for me to get back in there and get my feet wet, so it wasn't what I was done track. did get scratched, you know, I don't, I was trying to fight, but you know I wasn't really forcing the issue. And that's something what you know Don did help me with. It was like, I just go, hey, you want to fight? And the guy's like, no. You know, he taught me you know you got to go run and hammer a guy, or or piss someone off, or um, you know get under the, the the skin of their their superstar. You know, and you know some guys you have worked with, some teams that didn't. Um, we're playing Portland, and Brandon Dubinsky's there, and North Bar goes, hammer! I want you to get a Dubinsky skin today. And I'm like, okay a warm-up, so I'm like, Dubinsky, I'm gonna fucking kill you tonight. He's like, who the fuck are you? i was like, I'm gonna kill you tonight. He's like, you gotta catch me first, buddy. I was like, hey, I only gotta fucking catch you once, okay? That's all it is. And he's like, he looks at me, he's like, good comeback. And we started chirping back and forth. Fucking ended up the Barry at four fucking points. And I'm like, and Don's like, Emmer, I thought you fucking rattle him. I'm like, this is someone we kind of, I was like, Don, this is someone we don't wake up. We should let, just let Dubinsky sleep. Like just let him go to sleep. Like, why would we rile him up? And he's like, kind yeah, of thought about that. He's like, yeah, good point. I was like, for fuck's sakes! So it was, uh, it was definitely pretty funny. So um, <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, we we played against some big, big tough kids and some good superstars. I got a, I got a funny story about our 19 year old year. So me and Aaron Bugard were playing in Kelowna, and we're playing against Luke Shen, and he's a 16 year old at the time. I go in and I go to finish my check on Luke and he, he kind of counter-hits me and all the wind gets knocked out of my body. So I skate back to the bench. And I'm hunched over. So Bougar jumps on the ice. Same thing. D- Puck gets dumped in. He goes to hit Shen. And next time he comes off and sits down right next to me. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, fucking Shen. I'm like, me too. And like knockball is like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? And we're like, we can't even breathe. This kid was built like a brick shit house. And Aaron and I are looking at each other. We're like... Holy shit This kid just knocked Both our wins out And we're like Oh my god Like it was Absolutely crazy It was so much Like we we're We laughed about it Later on in life But oh It was it was. Uh, we we're just both Hunched over these Two big tough guys This poor little 16 year old Who kicked the shit Out of us With both of With a counter hit
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah Well Shen Yeah Shen He ran He was something In the dub man That guy ran show Back then Yeah
0: um, He's a monster He's Yeah a monster.
1: Yeah well, a couple of guys, like you mentioned his name earlier, you had a few run-ins with him that year was Fraser McLaren. And another guy was uh, James McEwen. I think you had three fights with that guy <laughs> in the first year. Um, you know, um, I think McLaren, were you, were you both 17 or 18 at the time or was he yeah, younger?
0: Yeah, I think I was 18 and he was 17. So, um, he was an 87 born, I, I believe. So he was just getting his feet wet as well. And, so you know, we both knew what we had to do and he was a big, strong boy. So, um, it was good. Like, we both used our reaches very well against each other, and, you know, and, and we had some good tellies, and he, him and Boogie had some great scraps as well. So, yeah. um, you know, definitely fortunate enough to, to, to learn, you know, at a young age, you know, the next level of tough guys, because, you know, I think after after that 86, 87 year born, the dub kind of went away from the, the heavyweights that could, could fight and, it, it transitioned, transition, so I was definitely fortunate enough that I was able to play in that era where it was guys like me, so. But yeah, Fraser was a tough boy, and I never got to play against him after then, and for all at least, so. Uh, he, was, he, he was a tough boy, fuck. Big tough. He was jacked, too, at 17. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, well, and then, so, here we are. I mean, it's, uh, you know, 2005 entry draft, and, uh, uh well, the Minnesota wild for a while, I mean, we're we're definitely in love with the huge tough guy because um, I mean they in the second round they take Matt Cassian and then uh, <laughs> I believe I believe they also took uh did they take Patrick Bordelo too I think no no Bordeo came on a trial he oh, okay on a
0: trial with our team
1: well nonetheless yeah. they got him they have boo guards and I mean um and then you get drafted in the, in the seventh round. Um, well, first of all, how big of a thrill is that to go in the NHL entry draft? Oh. It,
0: it, it was amazing. And, and a little fun fact. I don't know if you want to do some research on this, but I might be the only player in the history of the National Hockey League who has played games and got drafted with zero points. Zero points. So that's, uh, you know, I took my cap. I must have been a pretty damn good player to, uh, to be able to do that so um it was uh it was awesome it was a highlight of my career and um you know being able to be fortunate enough and I, and I got I gotta you know be thankful towards for someone like Derek Bougard you know that was probably one of the main reasons why I did get drafted is you know he kind of the same situation with me and came up and you know got drafted and you know worked his way up so I'm definitely fortunate for you know to be able to you know, following his footsteps, and it's uh, definitely one of the main reasons why I, I got to you know where I was, and and uh, was fortunate enough to, go to play pro hockey with you know from someone like Derek.
1: Yeah, well, let's uh, talk about let's talk about thanks. that. So the, the following year, um, I know you played in the uh, in the Traverse City tournament. Um, yeah, because yeah, I know you fought uh, Trevor Hendricks and Robin Big Snake. I know you had a couple fights there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, yeah.
0: what was that? What was just I like? A, I, had a, I had a goal and two assists as well. I was sniping. There you go. But when you're when you're on the line with Ben Wallpuli and Adam Corshane, it's kind of hard not to, not to, uh, not not to get some kind of point. But I still remember we were playing Atlanta's farm team when I scored, and come down to two on one with Corshane. and I I, I ripped at far side shelf, and Braden Coburn was the D man, and Coburn stops and he's like, Emerson, I'm like, yeah he like looks at me he's like do you want the puck i was like yeah i do he's like is that your first goal ever i'm like fucking right to <laughs> And he's like looked at me and he's like holy shit and of was laughing so hard and everyone was like so jacked up and i think matt 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 had a couple goals at, and i was that was a great tournament. and i absolutely loved it so it was, it was great to get my feet wet and it was nice to be able to go play hockey without a visor as well so until they put that role in so it was my personal experience been able to play with no, with no shield,
1: so it was nice. Well, and then speaking of Matt Cassian, I mean, obviously you played against them. You're, you're, uh, so you got mm-hmm. that rivalry going, and then you get drafted. Um, you yeah. know, was there some uh, was there any uh, I mean, obviously I would assume there was a, a rivalry with you guys.
0: Yeah, we, we we got along well, but we both knew our role. And like we knew it. we went back in the doubt we were going to fight each other. Yep. You know, and you know, something we definitely looked forward to, and we both knew our role. We were both big heavyweights and and stuff like that. And, uh you know, we, we did fight uh the next that following year, and he fucking beat the shit out of the me. Oh, like, I won't lie. Like, I threw, like, four or five quick rights. You know, he kind of sat back. He switched up right away to his left, and he hit me with, like, three uppercuts. And it was fucking good night, Jim. I kind of think it dropped. Like, it didn't get knocked out, but it fucking went down. And I still remember after that, like, after that game, like, I got back to the hotel and I had a pounding headache and actually, it was, like 2 in the morning, I'm in the bathroom, puking my fucking brain zone because he cockied me. But, um, yeah, we, we had two tillies that year, we fought again in, in Tri-Cities and it was a bit better of a fight but he, he definitely got the better of me in that fight as well. So, we, we had that rivalry and we knew, like, we are going to be going up against each other and, and uh, but we both respected each other and, and stuff like that. We are always nice to each other and, you know, later on, we did play together later on in the East Coast League and um, you know we did become friends and we still talk to this day, so um, but you know it's kinda of tough. When you have an organization they got they got Bougard, John Scott, Joey Tetaranko, Matt Cassie and then me. Like, you know, the Teteranko was finished at the end of the year, so they had Gougaard in the show, Cass and Johnny and the eighth and me in the coast. Like it's it's gonna be hard for me to get called up, so you know, I kinda of just and kind of came to terms with it, but um, you know, but you know, if I was in a different organization, they have had more time in the East Coast League, you know, or in the American League, probably. But um, it was uh, it was good, and, um, and Minnesota was awesome. And funny story after that Traverse City tournament, so out of our draft class, Pouliot, Cassian, and myself were the only players who got invited to main camp. So. They tell us, and I'm on the bus, and Doug Risborough calls me in front of the bus. He's like, hey, Riley, I got you. I want to congratulate you for making the main count. I said, well, thank you. He goes, I'm not going to lie to you, Riley. When we drafted you, I didn't even know if you could fucking turn. (laughs) I was like, what? He goes, I saw you play three shifts, you finished every check, and you fought Ryan Gibbons, and you beat him up. And that was good enough for us. I was like, What? And it's like, just him saying that was like, he goes, you opened a lot of eyes here. And, you know, and, and we're really proud of you. And he's like, keep up the good work. So I was like, oh, thank you. But just him, like, I didn't even know if you could fucking turn. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I still remember going back. And, like, Cass was like, what do you say? He goes, he didn't know if I could turn. And we just started, both started chuck- chuckling and laughing, like.
1: Well, you, there you go. So you, so you get to make, what's that like? In main camp now, all of a sudden you're sitting in a locker with guys you were watching on Hockey Night in Canada the year
0: before. I, I'm still here. I'm still here. I dropped my phone. Oh, my bad. My bad. Drop my phone. Drop oh. my phone. We're still good. So what did you say after that when Dougie told me I couldn't turn?
1: <laughs> well, so <laughs> but you go to main camp and now that's got to be surreal. You're sitting in the locker room and you're wa- and you're sitting there with guys that you watched on Hockey Night in Canada the year before. Oh yeah. You know. So what, what's that whole experience like? And and like you yeah. said, you 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 rattled off the names. That are at that camp. Yeah. I mean Bugard and Scott and all these guys. Did you yeah. have any fights with those I, guys
0: I, in camp? Uh no, they told us we weren't allowed to fight and actually I roomed with Andre Nazarov when I was there as well. Oh, there's another one. Um, yeah, he, he was my roommate and he was on a one way and you know, big Russian dude I walk in there, he's just sitting there and he's like, Hi, I'm oh hi, I'm Riley, he's like, I'm Andre and he was really nice to me and um, kinda took me under his wing and I remember one night uh, Gabbert came and picked him up, and he brought and he's like, "Riley, get your clothes on. You coming with me?" And he brought me to the casino with him, and we went. We had dinner at the casino, and we're sitting there, and he's like, "Here's a hundred bucks. Go play some blackjack." I was like, "Oh, a hundred bucks. is a lot of money." So he's sitting there, like like a thousand dollars, and he's brought, brought me to the casino with him, and me, him, and Mary and Gabbert went, and we spent the night together. It was awesome, and something I definitely cherish. And and he was, uh, you know, he's, he was a bit different, but you know. He, he he was a great guy, and uh, he was really funny. And that's, I, I was there, and I got to you know watch a couple of exhibition games. He fought Doug Duel out there, and they had, they had a great chili. So it was uh it was great. So he was awesome. But he knew he was going down to Houston. Like Boogie went there, and that's when Boogie was like murdering people. Yeah. So um, it was a great experience, and I remember you know one memory that will always you know stay with me was after one skate. And one of our inner squad games, and after Derek came up, he's a, he's like, "Hey, come with me, bud." And I came, and he sat there, and he worked with me for like thirty minutes after practice on the ice, just like wrestling. You know, was, he's was like, "I, you know, I've seen some of your fights. You know, from watching Aaron play. You know, was, you know, I think this could help. You know, and he's you know talking me about my reach and you know, stringing guys out, and you know, being able to counter punch with my left and all that stuff. So it, it was awesome. It was something like he didn't have to do. Like he could have wanted to murder me because. Aaron got. Aaron didn't get qualified, and me and Matt got drafted. So, you know, he could have been a complete prick and punched both of our heads off our shoulders if he wanted. But he was a true professional, and you know, a great, a great guy. And you know, he was something I'll definitely always, you know, cherish with me. So, it was absolutely awesome. So he was a, just a complete beauty.
1: <clears throat> no, that's awesome. And uh well, then well, we'll get into the rest of it here. But <clears throat> just in terms of um technique, like you were talking about, you guys were. He was showing you a few things. When did you um, – I know I talked to uh, – I was it was uh, McIntyre earlier and, and a couple other guys. Mm. When did – well, I mean, I guess it would be different because you had your brothers and stuff, and they were tough guys yeah. too. But uh, did when did you start feeling very – like, did you feel com- – when did you start feeling comfortable kind of in the moment? And, uh, and when did you start – especially for a guy your size, I know I've talked to a few, lots of kind of bigger dudes – when did you really start taking Did you right away start taking advantage of your of your length, or did you kind of? Is that something obviously you learned over time to use?
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely my biggest strength would, would be my reach, and yeah. so that's all, something I always try to establish right away. And obviously, sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it does in a fight. Like you're able to string guys out, and you know that's when you're very fortunate to, to come away, you know, unscathed or on the on the upper end. So. Um, but something I, I knew right away, I always had to try and get my reach established right away, and, you know, when Derek taught me and, and Donnie taught me about, like, where to grab, like, when guys are punching, if you can grab their biceps, you know, when they're punching, you're able to stop that punch by holding their biceps, you know, and the only way that they're going to be able to rip out of that is, like, if they're going and like throwing an uppercut, so, you know, they kind of showed me how to counter that with a, with a grab, with you know, using your strength and, and size as well, so... Um, you know, I, I definitely, for, for me, I was a ginormous human being. So, you know, I always wanted to get my reach established right away. I didn't have the best balance, but, you know, I was, I was you know, able to hold my own. So, but, you know, something, you know, get my reach was definitely the, the number one thing I wanted to, to always get established in a fight right away.
1: Did you, um, did you find, like, right away it was like this? Or, uh, I, like, you talk to some people and the first few times they fight, it's, like, really kind of spazzy and, you know, almost blackout type fighting. When did you get comfortable with it, and it did everything slow down for you, and you could kind of think as it was going on? When did that um, When did I that happen was, for you? Or was that sort of right away?
0: Uh, it was, I think it was like my 17 year old year in Chilliwack, I Kind of the more I fought, um, I had like fifteen fights my fifteen or sixteen fights my first year in Chilawaka. So yeah. I got comfortable with my reach there, um, you know. And and a lot of the fights that I did get dummied on is when I was this, when I got, when I went back out, like I found with myself, when I got too riled up and I got too out of control is when I got dropped. Yeah. You know, like I got dropped three or four times in my career. And, you know, those times I got dropped was when I was just throwing wild and, and not using my size and my strength to, to my advantage. And, you know, I was just throwing wild. I was off balance. And the guy would sit there, he'd take a couple of lickings, he'd wait for a spot and bang, bang, you know, lights out, you know, so that's how it was. So, you know, I knew towards the end of my career and when I got older and the more fights I got, fight, like, oh, okay, this is what I have to do. This is how I have to, you know, take advantage of this fight. So, um, I got comfortable with it at a, at a younger age, but you know, obviously not, you don't win every fight in your career. If you didn't, no. you know, if you want every fight in your career, you're not a fucking tough guy. Um, yeah. you know, it took my lickings and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I was, you know, I, I definitely learned at a young age, like I'm big. I'm big. I'm strong. You know, I got to use what's my advantages in a fight you know it's my reach right, right. away so you know I, I knew at a young age so it was it was definitely helped me yeah
1: so. well yeah yeah like you've said a few times I remember, yeah jeremy yablonski said that too if you've never lost if you've never lost a fight the only thing that means is you're not fighting the right guys so uh exactly, exactly. yeah and uh well we're gonna get to yabo here shortly but uh well, and another thing, I was just as we're just kind of talking the technique of fighting. Um, like I said, I've talked, i brought it up on here numerous times with guys, and 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 the initial when they're squaring off in the grab. Dean Mayrad talked about it. Brad Wingfell talked about it the other day when I was talking to him. Did you like? Were you uh go at them, or did you like them coming to you? Did you like?
0: Um, I I like when they would come to me and. Don, Donnie took me and Bugard one day and we watched like 40 videos of all these fights and all these guys in the league. And if he broke it down. He slow-mode. And a lot of the time, the first reaction of a player in a fight would be, would be to lunge and grab a guy. Yep. And try and get, you know, grapple for position. So we worked a lot with right when they reached to, you know, to grab, we would throw a quick right hand to try and stun him right away. And then we would take control of that fight. You know, and sometimes you miss your pump, sometimes you don't. But, you know, that's something that, like, right away, like, I always wanted to try and sit back and wait for that guy to to, re, to, 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 to lunge at you or to try and grab. Because right when he tried to grab, I would try to throw a quick pop right, right away to try and stun him. And then I would try to get my left out to, to keep him out, and and, and, to, and then I would go from there. So yeah. And then I would, you know, use my size and my advantage. So that that's what's something I try to do and look at. You know, so, um, and that's something Donnie definitely broke down for Aaron and I as well. And especially with Aaron, he was such a powerful puncher. I know he had a couple one punches where if he threw that right, right away and he got you good, you're fucking going right down. Yep. And he did that a couple of times. Yep.
1: Well, before so. before we, uh, leave Junior, I mean, I gotta ask you a couple, about a couple cats here. Um, you, we obviously, mm-hmm. we talked about Cassian and, uh, your battles with him. Um, mm-hmm. another, another guy that you fought three times, and I, and I've seen video of, uh, pardon me, I saw a video of him in the Quebec League, and then, and then he was in Saskatoon here, Um was Brandon Tidwell. And I know you had some- he was, tough. He, he was a
0: tough fucking little
1: shit. Yeah, he was. And he was
0: a character, he, he was a character too. He was one of those guys, like, who knew he had a fight. He was a great guy too, and he threw fucking hammers. I know, we, we had two good fights in try, and, uh, he popped me at the end of the second. Didn't put me down, but it was a good punch, he landed it. But um, I fucking never hit him square in the face. And he was just, like, didn't even phase him. I was like, oh, fuck. Probably fucking throw a pillow. I probably threw pillows anyways. But um, the, uh, our fight in Saskatoon, fuck, he spun me around and around. And he fucking, he got the better of me in that fight. And he was a tough little fucking pit. He was a little pit bull. Like, he wasn't very big. No. And, you know, like McIntyre said, when when you're six foot six plus, if you're fighting a guy five, ten to, to six foot, it's a lose lose. Yep. A lose-lose fight. Like, if you beat the shit out of them, oh, you beat up a six-foot guy, you're so tough. If you lost, it's, oh, you got beat up by a 5'10 guy, you're fucking fucking Um You know, so it, I, I found fighting smaller guys was harder for me. So, you know, we can go on later, like, with my fights with, with Mirasti and Yabo, like, like, I was just like, fuck it. When I'm fighting small guys, I'm just going to go fucking toe-to-toe. Screw it. Let's just have some fun and just beat the shit out of each other. Fuck it. And that's, and that's how I was. And that's how, and that's how I did when I fought small guys. I was like, I'm just going to throw and we're going to go until we're both dead tired or one of us drops or however it was. So, and Brandon was tough, man. He was in Utah. I think he ended up, did he end up breaking his jaw when he was in pro? And that sucked because he was a tough kid because he was in Utah when I was in Texas. Yeah, But he was out hurt. I think he, he fought Hans Benson when Benson was in Victoria and fucking Benny was a big tough boy. We all know that. Yep. And, um, and, and I think Benny, Benny hit him with a one that fucking rattled his cage pretty good. So, um, yeah, it was good. But fucking, it was awesome. It was, it was a good sell. He was a fucking little uh, spark plug. I said, well,
1: yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Like you said, he played the 14 games in Utah and that's it. He was done hockey after that. And it was just like, and I was always surprised because it was like, you know, his brother went and played in the, in the L and eight and the Quebec league there for years. And I yeah. remember telling people, I'm like, you talk about someone who's tailor made for the LNAH. It's Brandon Tidbull mm-hmm. with the show that he would put yeah. on and, and his brother's already always. there. I'm just, I was surprised, I was always surprised he never went there. I mean, like,
0: yeah, definitely. You know, I was so, just, I guess just Brandon can play. Brandon was a good, he wasn't a bad hockey player. Like, the no, was a tough guy. He wasn't like, he could, he wasn't a bad skater. He was, you yep. know, he knew the game. He knew his role, and, and, and he finished checks. He knew about momentum and. You know, he wasn't a bad hockey player, so like, he didn't get pigeons in that big enforcer goon thing. Like, he could play; he could play the game as well. So it, it was definitely unfortunate. So, yep, that he wasn't able to further his career because he was a he was a uh, a great guy as well. So someone who's easy to talk to, and you know, after the fight, it's like, yep, good job, good job. How how are things? Like, so all the tough guys were pretty much. You know, how are things? Oh yeah, things are good. You know, yeah. Like and we all we all knew and bought into our roles, so.
1: No, absolutely, yeah, no, and the, every, every time I ran into him here, he was always, he was cool as shit to me, I got, I had nothing bad to say about Brandon Tidbull, that's for sure, um, yeah, yeah. well, so the next year, uh, we're off to pro, um, so, uh, that's, so did you, crazy? yeah, so, so now you're going into pro, so, di- obviously, did you go to, uh, did you go to Minnesota camp again that year?
0: Yeah, so, like, so it's funny, so, like I said, I had two points in my, in my Washington league career. Yep. You know, my next year, I'm a 20-year-old. You know, I didn't get picked up in the expansion draft by the Trawak Bruins, which I was kind of hoping I did because I played for the Chiefs. I'm an opposite boy. I'm kind of like a hometown guy and the heavyweight. You know, it's like, okay, well, it'll be good for the fans. So I was kind of hoping I was going to get picked, but I didn't. So after that, I was like, fuck. Oh. So my agent at the time was Rich Winner. So I get qualified by Minnesota, and Rich called me and says, you're going to sign that qualifying offer. I was like, what? He's like, sign that offer or your hockey career is going to be done. So I was like, okay. So so I signed it so I could further my career. You know, you you're probably going to go to the East Coast League and you're going to have to fight your way up. So like, okay. You know, I think my parents are rattled because everyone's getting bonuses. And the funny story is we always laugh with my family and my brothers. It's like, I signed this contract. My mom was all rattled. Like, like you know, why why, why would you sign? Why would you do this? Like, and we're all arguing with each other, and she's like, she's "Like, come on, Riley! Really? Like, right, like Sidney Crosby got a fucking bonus, Riley! Like, why can't you get a bonus?" <laughs> and I was just like, "We all stopped. Like, me and my two brothers and my dad, we all it goes silent, and we all just start fucking dying laughing. The best fucking player in the world got a bonus. I should get a bonus. Like, he like he probably had two points in one shift, and we we're just fucking dying laughing. So it's a household joke that we go around like." Oh, remember all that Crosby money you could have got, Riley? I'm like, ah, God, it just got away from me. <laughs> like, this is just so, so much fun, like, so funny. So, that was, that was a great story. So, we, we still make fun of my mom about that to this day. So, but yeah, I, I took my qualifying offer. I knew what I was going to have to do. And, you know, went, so I went to Minnesota's camp. Um, actually hurt my back in main camp, so I didn't go to Traverse City. Um, I had like a, a, like, slipped disc in my SI joint so they took care of that right away um and they were mad because they didn't tell anyone about it I didn't know so when I get there they found out they were fucking pissed and I came in at like 260 because I couldn't really do much and Doug Reisbaugh was like ri- like called me he's like Riley like I'm not gonna pay you to be a fat fuck so it was like two weeks of me in Minnesota with their strength coach and bag skating every day after I was cleared and skate to so lose weight and get back into shape so I went down to Houston and, and um, to the American League and, and John Scott was there, Joey Tedaranko, myself. Um, I played a couple of preseason games and it was down to the coast, but it was good. I think I, I thought, it was kind of intimidating though when you go and I was playing San Antonio and they had Ryan Flynn on the team. Shaved head, big goatee, yep. six foot five. And it's like, this guy looks like he just got a fucking prison. I'm this 20 year old guy, I'm like, oh my fucking god. So I didn't fight him, but I ended up fighting Jason Beckett. And him and I had a good fight. And um you know, I did get sent down, but uh I still remember, like, the, the, like, the anxiety going through my body, like, oh my god, this guy looks like he's gonna bite my head off. I'm like, oh shit. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty funny, but it was it was a great camp, and, uh, we had Tom Lynn as our coach. not Tom Lynn, sorry, um, who's the coach of Alberta Golden Bears So sure. Rob Dom was our coach there. So, um, uh, yeah, but they had John Scott and Ted and I was just a 20 year old little guy. So they sent me down to the coast, down to the Texas wild canter. So that was, uh, that was fun. Did you get along with Scott? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, we, we went to development camp together. We hung out. He was a nice guy and, um, I actually got a, a, a story because him and I'd always talk during the year because sometimes he was playing, sometimes he wasn't, and we text back and forth, and we always talked. And um, I remember at the end of the, it was like the next summer, he calls me and he's like, "Riley, I'm, I'm engaged, and I'm a tw- I'm a 21." I'm like, "What? You're engaged? What the fuck are you doing?" And he's like, "But I didn't like didn't click that he's like four or five years older than me, like found the love of his life." And I was like, "My brother's like, Riley, fucking say congratulations." I'm like, "Sorry, John, congrats." Like, my bad, like, I'm sorry, like, you know, and he's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and, and, uh, and like, now he's got like five, five million kids with his wife and, and all that stuff. And I just felt like such a jerk. And I, I finally reached out to him later on and, and, uh, said, Hey, like, sorry about that and blah, blah, blah. He's like, Oh, no worries, man. And, uh, <laughs> it was funny. He was a nice guy and, you know, it was tough as shit. I remember it was halfway through the year and I was in Texas and I was fighting everyone. Yep. we wasn't fighting that much, and they called me up right before Christmas, and we practiced. And it's at the end of practice, and they're like, Riley and John, stay off. Stay here. So we stay, and Ted Aranko's there, and Ted Aranko's in just, like, his undergear. And they're like, we want you guys to wrestle. We're like, what? We want you guys to wrestle. So it's like, after practice, they're, like, making us, like, fight each other. <laughs> and we're like, so we didn't, like, they're like, we don't want you to land punches, but, like, fight. What is, what is Ted Aranko pulling the Don King or what? I, I don't know. But if Joey had no clue what's going on. They called him on the ice to see it. And Joey's like like what the fuck's going on? So we like square up and we like start grappling and wrestling and they're like, All right, that's good. And then I went back down to the coast and and all that, but I was like, What the fuck? Like what the fuck was that about? Like John and I were like, What the fuck's going on? So it was it was definitely a weird situation, but uh <laughs> But yeah, that was that, that was the, my only sniff I had at, at Houston because the following year I got a funny story after we talk more about my first year about Houston. Or I'll just get out of the way. Yeah. So my second year pro, I go to Minnesota's camp. I uh, go to Traverse City. I fight Jared Bull. So they tell me, you got to lose weight. You got to be under two forty. So my like, all right. So I have like a personal trainer. I get down to like two twenty seven. And I'm six foot eight at the time, 227. Like, I, lo- I look like a fucking beanpole. I look terrible. Like, my dad's like, you look sick. Like, you look like you're sick. Cause all I was doing was just cardio, cardio, skating and cardio. Like, I got to lose weight. I got to lose weight. Like, oh, I fight Jared Bull. He's fucking tough as, tough as could be. But, like, when I was fighting, I didn't feel strong. Like, I didn't feel very strong. So, you know, I didn't do too, I didn't do great in the fight. Like, you know, like, I did okay. It was maybe a draw edge for him, but... I just didn't feel like I was myself. So the camp goes and, and, uh, they're like, so, so about to do the releases. So I'm with Kevin Constantine. He's coaching now. So he calls me and he's like, well, why do you keep coming back here? Why, he's like, why are you here? I was like, well, I'm under contract. I have to be here. He's like, he's just like, looks at me. He's like, I think you should retire some hockey. <laughs> I'm like, 21 on my second of my year making like 35 grand on the coast with no bills. I'm like, no, he's just like, I just don't understand you. It's like, you don't screw any drills up. You're the most attentive guy out there. You're always listening. You know, you know, you're not one of those guys who kills drills. He's just like, you should retire and become a coach. I was like, what? I'm like, no. He goes, okay, well, if you're not, you need to lose weight. I was like, I fucking just lost like fucking 40 pounds this summer. You want me to lose more weight? I was like, no, I'm not losing more weight. He's like, no, it's like, I, I'm comfortable at two fifty. He's like, what? I was like, I'm comfortable. I'm at 250 to 260 pounds is what, where I'm comfortable. And I was like, I'm fucking fighting guys. You're not fighting anyone. I'm putting my body on the line. And he was like, well, we're, we're done here. I was like, obviously we're done here. I know I'm going to get sent to the coast. I'm I'm an idiot. My second year, there's Scott Cassie in there. That's a second-round draft choice. They're not going to let a second-round draft choice get upstaged by a seventh-rounder because of a second-rounder. They could have had a fucking elite NHL player, you know, not, not, not knocking batter or anything. He fucking made, played the show and all that stuff, but they could have had a fucking goal scorer. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, so I'm not dumb. Like, I know I'm not going to make that team. They're not going to let a seventh-rounder play over him. Like They have to make let this guy pan out. So I do I was going to the coast, yada, yada, yada. Then my third year, I go back there, and they just send me right to Houston. So I, my third year, I go back there, and they're, uh he's like, why are you here again? I'm like, because I was like, Kevin, I have to be here. Like, I have to show up if I want to fucking get paid. He's just like, I still think you should retire and coach. I'm like, okay, well, you can think what you want. So I I go, Kevin, if if I had the opportunity to go to a different American League team, would you help me talk to Minnesota to get me reassigned there? And he's like, what team would want you? (coughs) I'm like, well, you never know. Like, you can reassign me wherever. And he's like, no. So then after that meeting, Troy Ward was in there with us. So Troy called me in. He goes, what do you have in the book? So I was like, well, Malcolm Cameron is my coach for the last two years in Florida, they're with Rochester, like they need a tough guy. And he's gonna help me get there. And Troy's like, I'll do what I can if if they're interested. So that's how I ended up getting to, to Rochester was I got reassigned there. But just like Constantine, like twenty one, you should retire. <laughs> I was like, Okay, fuck off, buddy, like, come on. Oh, I've heard that's ridiculous.
1: I've heard some stories about Constantine. We won't get yeah. into it. We won't get oh, into, yeah. we won't get into him. But uh Yeah. So you uh well, like you said, you get to Texas, we'll just jump back here for a second. Well, first of all, what, what did you think of Texas? Did you enjoy your time there? I loved it. Yeah?
0: Fucking loved it. Loved it. I lived the pro-life, and, you know, my, when I first got there, I actually had a big, big reality check. I, you know, I was 20 years old, and I was coming on an NHL go on the coast, and I was getting scratched, and I was complaining. I was like, what oh, the fuck? Like, I should be playing. I should be on the power play. And finally, there's this guy on the team, and him and I talked still to this day. His name was Leon Hayward. And after practice, he's like, you're coming home with me. And this guy, Kelly Cup champion, Kelly Cup MVP, playing in the American League, we're driving home. Value uh, driving me back to the apartment. He goes, Riley, you can't fucking skate. You can't shoot a fucking puck. You can fight, though. He goes, you're going to shut your mouth, and you're going to work. And he goes, I'm going to work with you every day after practice on your skills and your skating. And I'm going to get you to the American League. He goes, you're going to fight every single tough guy you can and you're going to shut your mouth and you're going to work. And I was like, he goes, Riley, I've been in this league for like seven or eight years and I've been up and down the American League, the East Coast League. He's just like, you need to work hard. And it was like a, it was a really big reality check for me. And you know, it it was amazing and and it's something I will never forget. And it it kind of showed like, you know, it was awesome. (laughs) And he's like, you're going to fight everyone. We all know that you're going to fight, you know, but if you want to be something, you got to learn to play the game. And he sat there. He worked with me on my shooting and puck skills all the time. It was, it was absolutely awesome. So definitely put me in my place pretty quick, though. Sentainment guys won, won, won a league championship, played forever, MVP. So he kind of learned, okay, okay.
1: There you go. I get it. I get it. Every, every team needs to crash Davis and you were nuke, I guess. And, uh, exactly. Yeah so uh so that
0: i i love texas though it was uh it was a great city and uh you know it, it sucks they didn't have a bigger fan base because it was a nice rink and all the guys loved it great weather and the nightlife was great when you're 20 21 and yeah um i remember you know you could when you in texas you could get in the bars when you're 18 but they put these big permanent marker symbols on your hand so they wouldn't get served alcohol so obviously you'd go and you'd get drunk before you get, get to the bar, so you'd get home from the game. And a lot of the times we play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, always have Sunday off, practice Monday. So boy Saturday would be get get just after and there was this huge club in, in Beaumont called the Dixie Dance Hall. It was it's legendary. And um you sit there, you get getting hammered before right after the game you'd start drinking. And <laughs> then you would uh we'd go go back to the place, we changed, we'd all take a cab down to the down they had like this roll of bars in Bobot and we would uh so I'd be sitting there and we would get in and then I'd get into the freaking bar and I'd be scrubbing these fucking things off my hand with the permanent markers. So we actually got to know
2: Okay. Oh, <laughs> and uh
0: um, so we uh we um he's like I'll give you I'll give you a tip, because put lotion on your hand right before they draw that on you. So I'm in the lineup and playing lotion on the top of my hands and they go to draw the marker and they do and I go and I wash it off right away. So that I'm twenty years old and I get in and start drinking underage. Stupid, if not caught, I got caught I'd be fucking in big trouble, but yeah, that was the old tricks of the trade. But it was a great great city and if they had a bigger fan base and they got more you know, more uh you know, more fans they probably would have stuck around, so but it was uh it was a great city to play in.
1: Well, and like you said, yeah, and I mean, you had a strong year fight wise. Actually, both those years, mm-hmm. and I mean, you did really well in the fights. I mean, uh, uh, Bill Cahill and Brett Henley and Robin Richards and Cam McCaffrey and Blue Benefield. And uh, did, did you hate Blue Benfield as Gr- much as Winfield Gr-
0: did? <laughs> um, what I, I, always, I didn't really remember him too much, but when I saw him, he hit me with a body shot, and after that, I always threw body shots. After he hit me with that one, I was like fucking knocked the wind right out of me. I was like, "You bastard!" And uh, he was a big, tough, strong boy, but I didn't really play against him too much. So, so I ended up hurt, like I hurt my hand that year too. I popped like one of my tendons over my knuckle, so I missed a bunch of games on that swing when we played Gwinnett. So I wasn't able to play against him more. But I definitely got my feet wet pretty good. I remember fucking Brent Henley was a scary dude. He used yeah. to play, play with my brother in Langley, and he was like this this t- tiny beam pole and then I see him in pro and he's just fucking threaded and he's nuts. And I remember I fought um I fought uh who did I fight for Dan Sullivan. Yep. I fought him my very first pro fight, like regular season pro. I fought Kinko in preseason and I fought Dan. And I look over and after my fight with Dan and like Henley's mocking me from the bench. And we're like throttling these guys like eight and one he's in Pensacola. We had a fucking unreal team. And he's like, we're fucking going. I'm like, okay. So towards the end of the fucking game, we fucking grab onto each other. We go. I fall. Fight's over. He's fucking losing his mind that I fucking lost my balance and fell. He's like so mad, and he like tried to. And then he tried to hit me with a helmet or something. I was like crazy, fucking stormed off the ice and blah blah blah. It was crazy. He was nuts. He's actually, he's actually such a fucking nice guy though. Like he was in Utah when I was in there, and uh, it was my second year in Utah. He came in. And he ended up going to Fort Wayne. He's a legend over there, but he's fucking so funny, man. He's such a, got such a deep voice, and you know he, he, he's a funny guy. But I got my feet well. I had a really good rivalry with Bill Kinkle. You know, he's a bald-headed guy, goatee, tatted everywhere, and then he speaks, and he's like the softest spoken human being ever. So uh, if he was at Minnesota's camp one year with us as well. So I got to know him a little bit there, and then we fought, and I really held my own against him really well. And one of the ones, I dropped him pretty good. So we just had some battles with that. Uh, that Everblades rivalry was nuts with Texas. We hated each other. Fans hated us. Fans would be calling our hotel room, and there's this one guy by the penalty box who was who was a lawyer and he verbally assault you so bad. <laughs> and um, we got into it really, really bad. I remember one year during our pregame skate after our skate, I walked over to where he sits because we played like we played three games in Florida. So I found out like where because I fought Kinkle. Cause he would call me. Like this guy would call our hotel and be like, "Billy Kinko's coming for you, Riley. You better be ready." So finally, one day, I fucking picked up and I was like, "I can't wait for Kinkle to come because I'm gonna beat the shit out of him." And the guy's like, "Doesn't say anything." He calls during a pregame nap. I was like, "I'm gonna fight him tonight. I'm gonna like, beat the shit out of him. I'm gonna fucking look at you after the whole time in the family box." And he was like, "Kind of goes quiet and hangs up." This one time after pregame skate, I went. I soaked his whole chair in a five three five. Just soaked it. So when he sat down, it just, just went right through his pants. Oh, man, he lost it. He was trying to, like, sue me. He's like, I'm going to sue the pants off you, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, hey, buddy, if you can give it, you better be able to fucking take it. And he kind of went quiet. And then the, the, the next year, I ended up going to Florida. And he was like, I'm so happy to have you on here. Like, it was blah, blah, blah. It was so funny. He was actually a really nice guy. But he was a diehard Everblades fan, just tripping the opponent. So it was great, but. That was a great story there. So
1: that's tremendous. Um,
0: and uh, another story with the Everblades. So my second year, uh, we can just me and Cassie and we're on the team together. Yeah, we got two year old twenty-one-year-old, six-foot-five-plus guys. We're a pretty scary team, we, we played on that third line together. There's like Cass on the left, me on the right, and someone in the middle, and they just rotated whoever was in the middle, and we would just fucking terrorize teams. So we're playing Florida. We got Ryan Van Buskirk. Brad Brown's down from the show there. Um, Dave Kornackia, Brad Harroff. Like, it, it was a big rivalry. So we had like this huge melee game. And it was like right before, I think it was a Saturday, we had a, something happen and Malcolm Cameron, our coach, comes to me. and he goes, hey, are you guys sure you can fight Brad Brown? I was like, I'm, I can fucking fight Brad Brown. He goes, because if not, like nothing against you guys. Like He's an NHL heavyweight. He's like, I'll bring my buddy Dennis Bial and he'll, he'll fight him. Just sit there and fight him and, I'll address. I'm like, no, I'll fucking fight Brad. Well first shift, Brad and I go, and fucking, I got the better of him. And and then Cassian fights cornakia and then I fight Van Berst busberg Again, and we just murder these guys. So we all go to the bar after the game, and the, the whole Florida team's there because they fly out the next day. And we said we get to the bar, and they're all sitting there, and they all got their heads down. And, and Brad comes over and he says hi to us, and he's kind of he's got a black eye, cut lip. Van he has got a cut lip. Fucking. Her- Kornacki is like, my back's killing me because Cassian fucking suplexed him. And he's just like... And he, he looks at us. He, was and he's like, why are you got you two in this league? He's like, you guys are too tough for this league. He's like, you guys should be in the American League. You're 21-year-old guys who are Terry in this league. And it's just something that, that, that Matt and I always took to heart and we always laugh about it later. It's just like this huge melee brawl we had with him. It's just absolutely crazy. So... It was awesome, buddy. Yeah, I had a good year my first year, and even my second year too. Um, I, had a, I had a really good year at Texas, fighting life.
1: Yeah, well, one of the guys, at, well, like you said, throwing around <laughs> another character down there, an old dub boy, and, and tough as shit. And I mean, you fought him a couple times with Grant McNeil.
0: <laughs> he was in South Carolina. It was him and McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, and I knew like McCaffrey what he fought. He liked to throw right. And McCaffrey liked to throw left and throw to Grant. And I found out that when Grant fought, he would throw right and that he'd switch up. And he'd throw the biggest K-maker left of your life. When I fought him, we were in Texas. And we're squaring up. And I, saw, I think I fought Nate Kaiser earlier that game and did really well. Yep. And uh, so I'm, squ- I'm squaring up with, with McNeil. And I'm, I'm looking at him. There's long hair and he's got tattoos everywhere, all over his hands. And I'm like, and we're squaring up. And I go, you got a lot of tattoos, eh? Like, while we're squaring up, he's like, what? I was like, you got a lot of tattoos. And he's like, what the fuck? And then, boom, we just go in a fight. And I think he ended up flipping out of the fight because he went to switch up. And I pushed him when he switched up. And I think he lost his balance. But uh, it was absolutely crazy. Someone was saying that to him. And, oh, fuck, he was a tough guy. Yeah. Oh, he was so strong. It's one of those down-to-earth guys who was just great to talk to and very nice and soft-spoken. And it was just absolutely amazing
1: so anybody listening out there go to my youtube page type in do the little search type in grant mcneil got some old dub fights with him and like ryan jordy and like colt moore oh. just killing each other oh. yeah T-
0: tough as nails my brother went to prince albert with him when they were there and my brother fought i think my brother fought him riley cote <laughs> sorry all those guys so grant's like uh, Grant's like how's your brother doing like after the fight i'm like oh he's doing really well and blah 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 he's like he still remember him because they lived together in uh in in pa for a training camp Yeah, so it was awesome that he still knew the family
1: yeah i noticed well grant just started following me on twitter here so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to talk him into doing the show hopefully he'll do the podcast because i'm sure he's got
0: some good oh, stories oh he definitely will he's a he's a great guy he's unbelievable
1: well, the following year, like you said, you got, uh, you know, they, they work out the deal of Minnesota and they get, they get you to the Rochester Americans. So your first, uh, mm-hmm. the first full year there, the Amer- 42 games in the American Hockey League. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, before we get into the list of guys you fought here, um, what, um, in terms of just uh, going up to the American League, what are, what are the differences with the American League in the East Coast?
0: When you make a mistake in the American League, you get scored on, yeah, every fucking time. Like the 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 Caliber of players are so much better. Like guys who are getting called up playing first line in the East Coast League are playing fourth line in the freaking in the A, yeah, or third line. So the Caliber of players is way different. Um it, it, It's absolutely crazy. So um that that's definitely my biggest thing. And then tra- the travel was good. It was fine, but. um that was, that was definitely my biggest thing. Is this the skill was absolutely crazy, like oh, nuts. And there are a lot of big fucking heavy tough guys. There. Holy shit!
1: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, well. Here we go. Let's let's get into it. Right off the go. Oh The, yeah. the first your first fight. Well, you first you fight John Nasty Morasty twice. Well, same game. You fight him twice. Yeah. Uh, Talk but, about getting thrown
0: right into the fucking lion's den, eh? Like, right into the right into the wolf. Like first game in Syracuse. Yeah. Rochester making this big deal. We got this huge six foot eight guy coming in to deal with Morasti, Blah blah blah, and I'm just like and I, like, At the time, I didn't really know too too much about John, so I was like, whatever. I knew I knew what we were gonna. Happen. I knew I was gonna fight and blah blah blah, and all these guys like, you're gonna fight Marasti, you're gonna fight Marasti. Like, okay, I'm gonna fight Marasti. Like, I didn't know my fucking role, and uh, so I still remember our first game. So it's like halfway through the, it's like just about towards the end of the first period, and John, we're both at the end of the bench, like at the divider, and John's like, do something stupid out there. I dare ya, fucking do something stupid out there. I dare ya. I was like, John. He looks at me and like, we both haven't even had a fucking shift tonight. Shut up. Like, I'm going to fight you. He's like, you are? I'm like, yeah. I want to stay in the American League. I'm going to fight you. He's like, oh, fucking right, kid. He's like so excited. And then sure enough, he got on the ice and I just jumped on the ice. It was like a line change and I just jumped on. And I was like, I'm fighting this guy. And we fucking went to a and he's one of those guys that, like I said, like the lose-lose fight, and he's, the, he's the biggest warrior around off his nails it's like when you punch him it's like hit punching a freaking cinder block it's like punching a brick wall doesn't even save him so uh i was like i'm just gonna go toe-to-toe whatever happens happens and i learned in that second fight this guy lasts forever like i was so fucking tired that second fight and he was sitting there moving the crowd up and i'm just like oh my god i'm gonna fucking pass out i'm like just don't get knocked out just don't get knocked out (laughs) i was telling myself i'm like oh shit at least i can make it entertaining at least
1: well, you fought him how did he hit? Did he hit hard?
0: Yeah, he hit pretty hard. Um, a, lot of his, a lot of his punches, like, they, a lot of them that would graze me because of my, I think my size, and I, maybe when I go back, and I kind of wish I'd, I'd maybe try to, to be more technical with him. Yep. I was just young, stupid, and well-fighting. You know, maybe I could have kept him out, like, used my reach more with him and all that stuff, but, um. You know, I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it fun. I'm gonna have some fun and make it fun here. So, um, that's what I did. And it was, uh, it was awesome. And he, and he was great. He was a great guy to fight. And, you know, I know my third fight against him, I think I did a lot better, even though, um, he hit, he hit pretty hard though when he did connect and he could take it and he was great at switching hands so fast, right to left, right to left. His counter punches were absolutely crazy to deal with. So.
1: <clears throat> well, the reason I ask, and this is funny because we're gonna get, this is how, this is the fan. And we're out with the fans talk and then we're going to talk to somebody that's actually fought them. So when I do my minor league tournaments um, of course you've seen those on everyone on Twitter when we, when yeah, we do you, our tournaments. You never
0: ever put me in there. You never well, put me in there. I know you've got like 900 guys but like at least let me get dropped in the first round. Like, well, Like, I know you will probably lose, but whatever. Well, we'll
1: get you in the next <laughs> one. I was going to that. tell That's you the funny. last time <laughs> the first, when you asked me to put it in there, I said, well, you started following the count, and then you unfollowed me. You had a little heat with that me there for you. a little while.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I was like, what the fuck? You gotta... Come on, man. I've fought a lot of these heavyweights. At, at least let me get beat up. <laughs> no, I'm just bugging. No, I was just doing
1: it to bug you. No, you're in. You're in. I'm telling you. But, um, we were talking about Moraski. TKO, TKO, TKO first
0: round, Emerson Lobby. Well, we'll see how the draw goes. <laughs> Man, I'm, not too worried. I'm not too worried about it.
1: But, uh, you, I could tell you, well, I'll tell you off, off, uh, off air, but there was some dudes hot about that friggin' tournament. I could tell you. I got some shit over that, but, uh, I'll talk to you about well, it later.
0: Why? You know how many tough guys are out there? It's, like you can't justify it. You're just trying to do your. No, you this is like this. No, this is it.
1: the guys that were in the tournament and lost. Got mad. Well, they weren't mad at me, but they were taking this shit personal. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll talk Who with. cares?
0: It's all for fun. It's all for fun. I love it. I love that shit.
1: Oh yeah. Well, no, I think it was I'm more really what was getting. Tough. I think, I don't think they were like legit mad, but it was more like <laughs> I think they were mad at some of the comments that were getting laughed. They're like, are you, and like they can't like argue back they're like are you serious you know but uh, <laughs> <coughs> but um uh, where was I going with this oh yeah so the Morasty Yablonski and the, and of course I think they fought 900 times or whatever but the oh, the, you, the, the video was up with the outdoor fight anyway so they show the mm. fight whatever well then a bunch of guys of course uh chirp in all the fans oh yeah like those guys they, they throw pillows I'm like I'm like so you're saying John Morasti and Jeremy Oblonsky throw pillows? Oh yeah, look those, at them. Nothing.
0: Those words, those, are what, those are what fans are saying.
1: Well, this is what the comments were on Twitter, and I, I'm no like, well, geez. here we go on the line. We got Riley Emerson who has fought both of them. Do they throw pillows, Riley? Right. They, they throw fucking hammers. Yeah.
0: You don't want to be. You don't want to be on the. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that. I'll tell you that. Yeah.
1: So. Exactly. Definitely not. Yeah. So that folks right there, that's why we that's why we talked to the players about these things and that's why they played and the fans are fans. So but yeah, this uh ridiculousness of throwing pillows was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, sure, sure buddy. But uh yeah, well, there we exactly. go. I just wanted to clear that up. But uh so you fight John now in warm ups and everything, is he just yapping to the beat of the band at you during warm ups? Uh, warm-ups? uh-
0: Oh, I'd definitely skate in the red line, and you know in the American League you can wear, you can wear no bucket. Oh,
1: you gotta so go! You gotta to
0: go, go no ice. bucket. So I, I, I don't know that. So I had my helmet on. I was about to go on the ice, and our captain Rory Fitzpatrick, he's like, "Emmer, take your hair, take your helmet off, and flick your hair back." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Trust me, it's gonna fucking blow up Marassi. So right, at my step on the ice, he's like, "You fucking little rat! How dare you freaking guess you rookie? You gotta earn it to go no bucket." And I'm like. What the hell's going on? And all the guys on Rotch are just dying laughing. He's like, "You're gonna die tonight. You're gonna die." I'm like, "Okay, like we're gonna fight once we get on the ice. Don't worry. Like I know I'm gonna fight you. Don't worry. Like like I know I'm gonna fight you. I know why I'm here. So it was it was awesome. It was so much fun.
1: The while well, he's so, I yeah. always say he was the ultimate entertainer for sure. And um, oh, um, money's worth <laughs> all the time. And uh, oh,
0: hell yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, looking to get, him, great. Looking to probably, get, him, get him on the show here. He beat, he's one of those guys you always want on your hockey team as well. Like he'd go, could probably go through a wall for you if you ever ask him to. He's like one of those, one of those guys who's all awesome, just awesome. So.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully, you get him on the show here soon, and uh, I'm sure he's got eight million stories. But um, <coughs> while well, speaking of that, were you a were you a big uh, chirp guy, or were you just like laugh? Let's just do it. Or did you were you a uh, I, cruise center and let him know or were you a talker?
0: Uh, I didn't. I didn't really chirp too too much. Like sometimes I'd, I'd get into it with a couple guys here and there. But other than that, like I liked playing hockey. Yeah. I, like I enjoyed playing the game. Like I wanted to get be a better hockey player. But I knew uh, if I wanted to stick around, I had to fight. So I'd fight anyone, and I'd always fight. And I always learned when I should fight or shouldn't fight, and and stuff like that. But. Other than that, I, I wouldn't go around and, and, and chirp guys, and, and usually when I did, like I'd chirp the wrong guy, which would be a really good skill player, and then they'd score three against me, then I would get scratched <laughs> for two games. So I kind of learned, like, okay, I'm just going to gonna shut up when we need some momentum, I'm going to try and run someone and start a fight, or do this, or do that, but you know, I never really chirped too, too much, um, so I kind of just left it at I, I, you know, I let, that, I let my actions speak. More than my words, like okay, well, you're gonna be an idiot or run around and we'll fight, and that's how it's gonna be. Like you're gonna pay the piper if you do something stupid, and you know if I do something stupid, I'm gonna pay the piper, and that's, that's how it is. Like that's that's the code of the game. So I understand. like like, like we talked earlier, I, I I understood that really early in my career, and like you said, I like I like actions speak louder than words. So, yep. Well, that's, I'm gonna, That's how I was.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna throw some names while we're talking about it. <clears throat> yeah, and you fought him later in the year was Jeremy Oblonsky.
0: Fuck. Okay. So I fought him. So we had a home and home against Bingo, and uh, it was a bit after Christmas. So I ended up, uh, I went home for Christmas. I came back. I went flew from Rocks to Abbotsford and came back. And then when I was in the parking lot. I slept on some black ice and I rolled my ankle. So I missed a lot I missed a couple weeks after that. And then so we play. Bingo at home, and Jer- and Yabo is running everyone. Like, just every puck that comes in the corner, he's burying our D-man. And, like, I- and I'm like three or four weeks in a little high ankle sprain. So, because after the game, we get throttled. Yabo scared the shit out of our whole team. I wasn't playing. The next game, I go over to, uh, so after that game, I walk in the coach's office. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm playing tomorrow, and I'm fighting fucking Yabo. And our coach is like, you can fucking barely skate. I don't care. Fucking tape me up, I'm fighting Yabo. And he's like, okay. So sure enough, first shift to go out there, fight Yabo. And like, I was doing really well. And then fucking, he's just so big and strong, switched up. Um, and then a uh, fucking, uh, my ankle fucking just could, couldn't handle it anymore. And then we get to the box. And when I fight Yabo, so we get to the box and he's like, Emmer, Emmer. I'm like, oh, fuck, you better not trip me. And I look over, he's like, great fucking job out there, man. He's like, you really had me in a bind. He's like, man, like, I didn't know what I was you. You were fucking pounding on me. Like, great fuck. He's like, keep it up, man. If you keep it up, you're going to go on the show. He's like, I fucking can see. He's like, great fucking job, man. He's like, knuckles. I was like, what the fuck? Like, my fucking ankle was swollen out. It went back to freaking stage one or whatever it was. And he was just like so appreciative. And it was something that really meant a lot to me. And I ended up running into him in the future when we ended up fighting again. After pregame skate, we sat and talked like three hours after pregame skate and just shot the shit. Like, he was just an unbelievable human being, but fuck, he was a warrior. Oh, he was so fucking strong. It was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just like shredded and just, and just one of those mm. guys that it's like, just, just so into it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, wow. It was so funny, like, he's like, you're going to get to the show and. I remember, I kind of, I'll tell you a story, like, with my old man, like, kind of the shit that I, I went through. It's like, one year, it was, like, I think it was between my second and third year pro when I kind of was knew I was going to go to the American League. Um, my buddy, uh, Kyle Canessi, one of my best friends, he we went to stand a cup of Chicago and played in Colorado. He's skilled offensive defense, and he was living with his family with building a new house, so he was living at, at my folks' place. And we're all living there, and my dad and I are just getting into it one day, and he's fucking yelling at me, and, but I was like, like Riley, like, like, do you not know your potential? Like, you could be something one day. And I was like, oh, whatever, that just all over me. So that he's like, he's like, do you know what Riley? Like, do you know who was drafted in the seventh round? Do You know who was drafted in the seventh round, Riley? I was like, who? He's like Henrik Zetterberg. He's like, why the fuck can't you be like Henrik Zetterberg? And I was like, what? And my buddy starts dying laughing. Like, my like, you could be like fucking Zetterberg, man. I'm like. And like, we, I just go silent, I look at him like, in the look, and my dad just didn't get it. He's like, you know, he's trying to tell me, you gotta have high ambition and, you know, and, and have these goals and push yourself. And, but just like his terminology was just like, we, we fucking laugh about it so hard every single day. Like, all the time. Like, like, oh, I was like, oh, too bad I couldn't be like Zetterberg back in the day, dad. And he's just like, oh, shut up, Riley. Like, oh, it's just so much, like, so much fun. So. It was awesome. It was just so funny. <laughs> I had to get I had to get that story before I didn't forget it
1: because it's it's my dad's claim to fame with our family. There you go. Well, at the end of the day, it's right. It's like they said. It's it's your old man. He's as full of shit as anybody. So you know, <laughs> yeah. We all we were all there. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, I can tell you, Zetterberg never fought Sean McMorrow. Um, oh. <laughs> there, right after you, Now you fight Sean McMorrow. How did that go?
0: Uh, it was it was good. He fucking throws those guys quick. He likes to get in there quick, throw him, and wrestle you down when he's got the advantage. I'll tell you that. But yep. he was tough. He was a warrior. Um You know that was his first game back in Rochester. He was a legend there. And, yeah, uh, played there forever with Buffalo's Associate, You know, so he was like. I warm ups, He's like, looks. So I was like. I was like, I'll, you know, I was like, I'll give you your dance. Don't worry, buddy. He's like, awesome, man. Thank you. Like, it, like he just something he wanted to have a good tilt in 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 rocks, like where he his career started. So, you know, I was happy to oblige, and it, it was a good fight. It was a tough guy, you know. I kind of wish, kind of wish it, it lasted longer, and I didn't get thrown down. But you know, kind of wish we could have given a bit more to the fans, more of a show. But I don't think I played a shift after that game, after that fight. I think I just sat on the bench. But uh, it was great. It was awesome. It was a good fight. He was a, he was, uh, like you said, he, he was an ultimate entertainer as well. Like he, yeah. he knew how to entertain the crowd and, and that was awesome. Like I, I really wasn't too, too much into that, but you know, sometimes I get a bit riled up, but he was someone who d- definitely played to the fans and won a lot of hurt So.
1: Well, before we leave Rochester, the last guy I got to ask you about, of course, is another minor league legend. And, uh, I know the boys on Spit and Shiglets have talked about the tape around the, on the, around the ankles, but old, uh, old Franny Lassard. Um, Oh, Francis! Yeah, how was those battles
0: against Francis? Yeah, it was good. He liked to give a quick jump on you right away and get the upper hand. So Mm -hmm. I know when we, I know when he fought, I knew he was going to jump me. So I turned around. I think I speared him and kind of like pushed off so I could get set, but. And I knew he was a lefty right away, so I was just going to try and counter everything. So, and my buddy played for him after, and I guess she was losing it in the locker room after the fight. He was like, How did he know I was a lefty and doing this? And like, one of the guys was like, Do you not know that all fights are on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. like People video all the fights and put them on YouTube, so that's how we can study each other. And he was mad, but. He, he was good. He was a warrior. He fought with him. He liked getting a quick jump on all these guys, but he fought fucking every single person in the world. So, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about a lot of tough guys. So, you know, if you're willing to do the job, you know, you gotta, you gotta be the right type of person. So, you know, you, you know, that, that, that's that's how I feel.
1: Well, it's definitely a, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a mindset, yeah. right? Mentally, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, well, we can, I'll get it. I'm gonna have I got a couple questions about that later about that, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the, the, uh, well, so the following year, 2009-10, um, uh, two thousand nine, ten. You're in Stockton. Um, mm-hmm. wh- how, like now, you went from the A back down to the East Coast League. Was that <clears throat> how disappointing was that, or did you expect it, or what happened there?
0: It, it kind of sucked because I signed. I signed with Springfield. Yes. Um, you know, I went to Edison's <sighs> camp. They had Mac Big Steve McIntyre was there. Sortini and then they signed Kit Brennan in Springfield. Mack Nickerson was there and that was me. And I you know I remember Springfield preseason. I fought Brett Clouchet and I dropped him. So I was still really good. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to battle my way my with, with, uh, you know, with Kipper for this or maybe him and I won't be there. And, and, um, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to make the team. So it was definitely a bit, a bit disheartening, you know, and I, you know, I kind of, I kind of, fell out of love with hockey but that year because i was pissed i went back down i was partying and and all that stuff and boozing and just you know in the pro life and i kind of don't regret it at all but you know i kind of could have been a lot more professional in that aspect you know i wasn't really focused on hockey i fought when i needed to fight and you know i i should have had a better mindset when i got sent down to be a better pro where i could have you know worked my way back up to go back to springfield or or you know um you know at least get back up there or, or making a name for myself because i didn't fight too too much that stockton year so i you do know i got fought live on fucking 10 times that year holy shit well
1: but, yeah um, that that was i was gonna ask you you fought uh yeah how, how many One, two, three, four, five, five times you fought him um yeah. was there like a personal thing again uh with them or was it just that's the way no, it worked out or? no
0: i think we did i think we just like fighting each other like he was a fun fight he sat there with his arms down to score up and and he was gonna throw the biggest fucking haymaker of your life coming at you if you got hit it's gonna hurt hard and it's gonna hit you hard so i remember i remember he fought kyle hagel a couple weeks before our first fight and hags and i knew each other from rochester so we were messaging back and forth and i was live on beat him up pretty bad and in preseason season lives on beat up a couple guys on stockton on our team pretty good too so i remember okay well i'm gonna kick the shit out of this guy our first fight and I remember we square off and he missed me with that right and I grabbed him perfectly and and I just grabbed him right by the biceps and I used to use my strength and and he was just trying to throw like crazy. He's like, open up, open up. I'm like, why? Why would I open up with you? Like, why would I not use. Like, in the middle of the fight, I'm like, no. And I just, I countered everything he had and I, and definitely our first fight, I I took it to him pretty good, our first fight. But we just had some, so he was pissed at us. So it definitely was a rivalry and we went back and forth. I still, I think it might have been our fifth fight that year. Um, he hit me so hard in the side of the head and he was just hammering on my head. I was like, holy shit. And, uh, I was like, I'm not going to get out of this alive. And finally, I, like, I got an opening and I just popped him with one good right and then we ended up like both like ending the fight and our coach was chirping me after the game. Uh, he was like, oh, you're lo- oh, you pout because you lost the on I'm like, fuck me. Like, I got a pounding fucking headache. My whole freaking side of my head swollen. Like My, my ear was already blue. So we played, we played Bakersfield the next day in Stockton, and it's warm-ups, and I can barely even put my helmet on. And I look over in warm-ups, and Liza's sitting there smiling, looking at me, and he's like, you broke my fucking nose, Emmer. I was like, what? He's like, you broke my fucking nose. And he's like, he's got two black eyes. Fucking nose is all fucking swollen. And I was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, well, my coach says that I got the shit kicked out of me, and I was pulling like a baby. and Liza just goes, starts yelling at our coach. He's like, hey, does this look like I got the shit kicked out of me? And he got beat up? Like, you fucking kidding me. He's like, don't you fucking chirp him. He's like, you never chirp Riley. And, like, after that, it was just, it was awesome. We fought one more time next year in Utah, but uh, we just knew. We were kind of just, like, sick of fighting each other. Like, we fought so many times that year. Like, it's going to, we fought 100 times. He may win 50, I may win 50. It's one of those fights that's going to be a lot of draws or slight edges here and there. It's just the type of, type of people we were. But we had some entertaining fights for sure, though.
1: Well, and at Stockton, uh, of course, you're reunited with Garrett Hunt.
0: Oh, legend, he was the mayor of that town, man. I think he bought Um, a house down there, even though he was over in the KHL, but he was awesome. And they might grow up together, too, so he was a legend down there. He was awesome. People loved him. Like, holy shit. Yep. And they all, like, like, he's this little, his heritage is Filipino, but down in Stockton, there's a lot of people from Mexico, though, so I think they all thought he was this Mexican hockey player. Yep. So they're all like, oh, he's one of us, he's one of us. And like, Garrett played the role and he played into it the whole time. Garrett was an absolute showman. So, um, he was absolutely awesome. So, uh, yeah, we were reunited and, and it was fun playing with him. He was, uh, he he was a tremendous, and he really learned to play those last couple of years and he was, he was awesome. So entertaining.
1: Well, I remember Uh, when, when Stockton, when they, when they switched from the East Coast to the American League, to the American League.
2: Yeah.
1: And of course they didn't sign him, right? (laughs) And I remember just, I remember telling my no, buddy, he, I'm like, why would you not sign he, him?
0: Like, he fought. He had two huge balls. He went go out, went huge. But Garrett scored like two goals in preseason, too. Yeah. And you know, Stockton's doing really well down there, like, like fans-wise. Like, they have a very really good, loyal fan base there at Stockton Arena. But, like, he was an absolute legend there. So, What's that's what I mean. Like, I was really surprised, too.
1: Yeah. I'm like, just really give him an crazy. AHL deal, put him on the fourth line and let the fans love him. I'm
0: like, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Only let him play a home game here or there. Yeah, In 50K, he'll love it, and he'll, 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 he'll do more for your community. You know, and that was kind of the way I, I started with Abbotsford coming into the league. You know, I went to Abbotsford's camp for two years, and, uh, you know, I was really hoping to, to get on there because I remember my first year Jim Playfair was there, and, uh, you know, I, well, I went to Manitoba. It was my year after Stockton. I went there on a tryout, and... Uh, fought Hans Benson, I scored the next game in preseason. So I'm like, No way, no way they're gonna cut a hometown heavyweight and sure enough, boom, get cut. You know, and then my second year, Troy Ward was coaching who I had in Houston and then Jim played for his kid Jackson was younger, he was in grade eleven or twelve and he was building with my family. So I got to know Jim really well and Jim was like, Right, when you go to Abbas Street camp this year, I don't want you to say a word. I was like, what do I you mean? He goes, You know everyone, you skate with everyone in the summers, you know, you're a very outgoing and, and very nice person i goes i want you not to say a word you're gonna scare everyone so i went to camp and i didn't say a word like i was silent and uh know, i fought riley grantham in, in in training camp and like i i like i beat him up really bad like and i was like this is no one's taking the spot i'm gonna be this hometown heavyweight mavisford i want this um you know I was just engage with my wife and i wanted to stay in in Abbotsford and make this my home base and make this my team. And obviously it didn't work out, but you know, that's my mindset and I was trying so it. So it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, but uh, it was nice check. It was nice living at home and getting that pretty impact. though, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah,
1: exactly. So that, that, yeah, that was
0: nice. 600 bucks to practice every day and do nothing. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, well, as yeah. well, and you end up in
0: Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun that was a great city to play in unbelievable great fan base great arena great organization I had Kevin Colley as a head coach who he was awesome he was good for me and you know he, he was fiery and, and, and him and I loved each other and I ended up having him in Arizona before he uh, retired from coaching but he was awesome he was a great coach and that was a great city holy shit I played in some I played in some awesome cities like I got really fortunate like I played in some sick cities so I feel yeah. see like a lot of nice things. so
1: Well, you managed to avoid the snow in a lot of places, too. Um, That's got to be nice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and like you said, we'll kind of cruise along here. And uh, in in terms of uh, um, uh, Utah, uh, again, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're still fighting. I mean, again, and you actually uh, fought Garrett Hunt, actually. Yeah. I've noticed a couple times you'd, you'd end up fighting like ex-teammates and stuff. Was it, uh, was those fights a little harder or was it just, uh, just business as usual?
0: Business as usual, you know. You know, my fight with Garrett really wasn't, we are in Stockton. Stockton's a crazy, crazy city and, and Matt Thomas is a very fiery coach who's coached Stockton. Garrett, Garrett just fought, uh, Garrett just fought Nick Tuzzolino and took it to him pretty good. And then Nick was our captain, and Tito was, like, mocking our bench, you oh, know, that's your captain, blah, blah, blah. So I went out, and I fought Cam Abney, and I freaking dusted him pretty good, and I was yelling at Tito, so we were getting really fired up back and forth. And then it was, like, towards the end of the game, and I ended up getting a breakaway. And all this shit going down, Garrett was running around like an idiot, and I was on this breakaway, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to run this goalie. And it was a goal. My pass goal with Brian so I'm like, I'm gonna shoot in his chest. I'm gonna cross check him in the face. I'm gonna run him over. So sure enough, right in his chest. It was like a two. I think it was a two or three one game. I probably could have tied the game too. Like how stupid am I? Like so I go I just shoot right in his chest. I just run him right over. Everyone jumps in there and Garrett jumps in there and him and I just got challenged. It wasn't really much of a fight though. Garrett was trying to get in there and he was like, he goes, I'm so happy those refs were in there. I never want to fight you, Riley. I was just laughing so funny after the game. I got tossed, but. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I would have loved I don't know if I would have liked to fight Garrett, like A, because you know, he was a close friend, but like like you said, he was fighting a guy who was five eight, like yeah. it's it's and it sucks. Like we had different guys who could fight Garrett and hold their own, so you know we never really had to play each other, so it was it was definitely nice. So
1: Well, and another guy you fought a few times uh that year was Adam Huxley.
0: Oh man, he had the most like his grip strength was ridiculous. Like, he was so, like, undercover strong for how scrawny he was. Like, his his grip. Like, when he got his grip, it was so hard to get out of that. And he was so technical. You know, oh. he was awesome. Like, and, and we always had really good fights. And, and so, I remember the first time he fought, and I scored in, in Boise, and I had an assist. And then, like, so towards the end the game, he goes, do you want your Gordy?" I was like, I'd love it, man. He goes, all right. And we went one end of the ice to the other just chucking and it was awesome and after the fight we just captured each other he's like thanks man i was like thank you so i fought him and uh, it was awesome and we had a good rivalry as well but he was someone who was always uh and he was kind of mad because he was in stockton before i was there and i and i came in i kind of me and garrett kind of took over and adam was like the legend there but we kind of took over so you could kind of feel that he hated us like he was pissed because he was there for so long
1: yep yeah, well, yeah. He, he, he was around a long time. Did it a long time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. of course he was here at 2 so I watched him in junior. And uh, yeah, he had a hell yeah. of, he had a hell of a career and fought everybody. Yeah.
0: Oh hell yeah, he did. Heck yeah, yeah he did. He was topless can be too. So yeah, nice guy too. Yeah. Oh, um, well, great, great human. Being. He's he's coaching out in Alberta, doing really well for himself right now. So yeah, he's got like a whole he's training. Awesome.
1: Yeah, he's got like a training thing. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The one one thing I wanted to bring up when you were in Utah, you got called up to Bridgeport that year. Yeah, I did, and you fought Justin Johnson. Yeah, and it didn't fucking drop. And, it, dropped, did go, and yeah, it did not go. it did not go very well.
0: Yeah, a couple that, too many scoops of pre-workout before that fight. I'll tell you that I was so jacked up. So, but like he's been. I fought him the year before when he was in Alaska. And I did, and I thought I did. I think I was better in that fight, but he goes up and he's fighting McGrath, and he's fighting all these big heavyweights, and you know I'm fighting James McEwen and all these smaller guys, and you know he's really improving and, and getting better, and you know I was just kind of staying in that lull. So my mindset is like, oh, I'm going to murder this guy, and then you know he was he was down the student of the game, and he had really long reach as well. So when I uh, you know I was just so wild and stupid and. You know, wasn't under control and and he switched up and bang bang and lights out lights out yeah so I, I got back up and I was like oh shit I'm sorry he goes hey like thanks like tapped each other and I remember right when I got to the penalty box my legs came out <laughs> it was like a delayed I was like oh shit so they had to call me out of the dressing room and uh you know I had to go get the concussion testing all that crap I'm, I'm fine I, I'm going to go back out and fight him so I, like next time I get out with me and Brett DeWalt was there, so, I'm like, so I go to fight him, and Gally's like, no, I'm fighting him this time, and Brett did unreal against him, they had a great fight, and Brett's so fucking unreal, he's so tough, well, I'm happy I didn't have to fight that guy, So yeah, that. but uh, yeah, I dropped by JJ, and he did the same thing to John Scott too, so yep. I, like, eh, I ain't too worried, one of those things happens, man. one of those punches it drops you, yep.
1: so now, did, you now, I be inevitable, um, now, so then you go back. You go back to the East Coast League after that. Were you pretty? Uh, was that pretty dejecting? Like, did you figure? Did the? Do you think the loss was the reason you got sent back, or were you going back anyway? Like,
0: uh, I think I was going back anyway. They had Ben Olsen up there, and he got hurt, and they had a big weekend coming up. Yeah, and they played their game before with Providence before I got up there. It was like a melee. Like I guess Valabic was doing something stupid up there, and. So they brought me in for that. and The Valvik didn't even play that game, so um, it was crazy. So I think they just brought me up for that weekend. But I was hoping to show myself a bit more, but you know, obviously it didn't uh, it didn't pan out. So well, but, yeah, I'm not not disappointed about it. It so.
1: happens. Um, yeah. Well, the following year you go back to Utah, and then you also and then you get traded to Toledo. Yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, were you happy with this, or
0: uh, I, I I absolutely love Toledo. You know, um, but I will say this: like, you know, I'll give you some personal stuff. I went to a pretty like a lot that year. Um, my my fiance, who's my wife now, at the time where we were uh, expecting, and you know, we we were, we ended up miscarrying. So that that fucked with my head like I wasn't the same person.
2: Yeah.
0: No. Um so I uh I really let that affect me and uh you know I, I was pretty depressed. Like it was something you don't wish upon anyone like it happens in life but yeah. you never want to see anyone anyone go through that and you know the coach like Collie was great and and Lee Mendelson was the assistant coach there and you know they were great with me and you know helped me on that situation but it messed with me with mentally a little bit there for sure. Yeah. So I definitely, I wasn't the same Riley, like, that Kevin was used to. And we were short bodies with a lot of injuries. And they flipped me, or Evan Rankin, and they flipped Rankin's rights for, like, three players. So, ultimately, I was a, a player who got flipped, who got traded for three guys. So, yeah, that's awesome. But uh, we love Utah. I was a bit disappointed. But when I got to Toledo, it was amazing. Oh, is that a great organization? Amazing building amazing fans
2: Yep.
0: the apartments at the time were kind of shitty it was like a rundown like old complex that all the all the kids all the guys lived in but everyone lived in the same complex like you could see everyone's room so it was a great group of girls there that my wife loved and it was probably the funnest couple months of my life there it was toledo it was awesome like just amazing so wow. it was uh it was great
1: that's cool that it worked out. I mean, yeah, and I mean and there you go. Like yeah, like you said, a history of uh you know, always strong fan support throughout the years of that team with the storm and everything
0: before that and uh
1: and they love their tough guys, so I imagine they loved you, the fans. So uh Oh
0: yeah, definitely. And uh I still remember my I was trying to get my first home game, I was trying to play we were playing Chicago and Chaz Johnson's own team. And I was like, Okay, I wanna get a fight. I wanna get a fight. And uh we had they had a guy we had a guy on our team, Brian Rufinuk, actually ended up passing away, um, a couple of years ago on a trip to, uh, sorry, I'm just locking up from work here. Uh, um, I guess Switzerland and me actually ended up getting electrocuted when he was over there, so, but, um, when, uh, when we were, uh, we were sitting there and I was like pissed, he was like, what's like, oh, I want to get a fight, and he goes, I'll take care of it, so... Johnson cuts across the middle, and Roof and I clips him. So Johnson goes to go crazy, and boom! I just jump in there. We have a melee. Fans go crazy. I got kind of. Well, it wasn't really much of a fight, but you know, I showed that I was there to take care of my teammates and, and be there for the fans, and you know. So I remember I was like, "Thanks, Roof." He goes, "No problem, buddy." So it was kind of crazy in that situation, but uh, I, the fan—they love their tough guys. Holy shit!
1: Oh yeah, it's awesome.
0: I got fan—I got freaking fan favorite there. And I was there for like four months. I didn't even do anything. Like, I don't <laughs> think I, I. I loved it, but I was like, I don't think I know if I should have got that. Like, like I was humbled and honored, but there's definitely a lot of other guys there that were that were worthy. But so obviously they love their tough guys. So
1: yeah, I saw the video. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, well, another name before we leave Toledo. Where we just. Uh, you know, I know I've kept you here pretty long. I, I'll we'll get going oh, here, but no uh, one one of the guys that I, it's they seldom gets talked about. But I brought it up to a few people, and they said this dude hits hard. Was big uh, T.J. Reynolds?
0: Yeah, big time. Um, I actually didn't get hit much with him. I didn't play well with him, so I was fortunate. But I heard he was a killer. This yes. from some past people. Yeah, and um, I know I know he, he had a couple bumps there on the way that maybe affected him a bit. Um, but I, I, I was quite fortunate when it, in my fight with him. I like we talked about. I, I got to use my size and my my reach, and you know, kept him out. So I wasn't too bad on the receiving end. So, but yeah, we went in in, in Greenville. I remember he was the captain there he was great, great. Yeah. Like this is someone like you're kind of humbled and you're honored to have on your fight card. Like you know, I was able to fight that guy, and you know, I got to fight this heavyweight and, and do this. Yeah, I may have lost, but you know, we both showed up. So. Not, yeah, I was I was fortunate because I've seen a couple of his fights and he used, used to murder people. So I was kind of like, "Whew, thank you, for not getting hit by that guy." Yeah, that could have sucked.
1: Well, the following year, you make the move to the Central Hockey League. You leave the yeah. East Coast League, or as uh, what was it, Grimaldi called it, "Easy Come, Hard to Leave" league. Uh, I
0: think I think I, tr- I think I taught Grimmer that.
1: Okay, well there I think you I go.
0: I think I think I I think I told Joe that the East. The cocktail league is all it was called too. They easy come, hard to leave. Yeah, so it's definitely true. Oh, you get caught in that lifestyle; it's tough. So, <laughs> it was awesome. So, but, so, yeah, I went down to, to to Missouri. So, yeah, I got signed by Chicago on a two way. Yep. So it was a, the the way the year of the lockout. So for players like me, it was going to be tough to keep a job all year. So I was really pushing to get a like a, a solidified contract. I just had just got married. Um, we were expecting. Uh, we, like, we had, we, my wife is pregnant again, and, uh, you know, we we were fortunate enough to have a successful pregnancy, so, um, so I really wanted some stability, you know, you're not making the most money in the world, but, you know, you're going to have a job all year, not like the, the following year we'll talk about, which was a shit show. Yeah. So, after we had the kid. Yeah. But, um, so, but great organization, great fans, ruthless fans, if you lose a fight. So, like... <laughs> Um, but, uh, great, amazing group of guys, like, like, we'll talk about Kinger, like Colt 45, Uh, there's a teammate, there's a tough son of a bitch.
1: That was the, you're reading my notes, my next question was Colt King.
0: Oh, oh, amazing, like, him and I got really close, really good friends, um, and he was one of the, one of the reasons I went over to the UK, his wife, Lindsay, and him, like, you have to go to the UK you're going to love it. So he's one of the main reasons why I wanted to go over there. But um, he's like, it's training camp and I'm pl- and we were short on D, so I, I was like, I'll, I'll play D for camp. Like, no worries. So I jumped in and played D. And every time Cole got the puck on an opposing team, every time we got the puck, I finished my check on him. And he's like, for fuck's sake, Sammer, I haven't skated in two fucking months. Stop fucking hitting me. He's like, just don't hit me. Like, inter-squad game and all this, I'm just bumping him every time. I just be smiling and laughing. And, and i like, because I, I, I hadn't gotten to know him too, I haven't gotten known him too much. So, kind of in my mind, I was like, "Okay, well, maybe we'll we'll have a go." But he's like, "He's like, I'm not going to fight you. I don't need to fight you. We don't need to prove anything to each other. We're fucking tough as shit." And, I, and after that, I was like, okay, and then we just became best friends, like absolute best friends. And fuck, that guy could fucking throw a punch. Holy shit! Yep. Holy, oh, two freaking. If if you got caught, if like we saw Grunky got drunk, like, he dropped a lot of guys. Yeah, and and if you're on the receiving end, lights out. Oh, I get I get chills thinking about it. I'm kind of jacked up right now. So.
1: <laughs> Don't get cut <laughs> off in traffic here; we could have an incident. Um, exactly. Did um, well, what was did you notice any difference between the Central and the East Coast League?
0: A lot, a lot older in the Central League. Yeah, the guys, guys control the play more. Um, we, you know, we had Sebastian Canale who had like. 9 million points, and uh, he was awesome. Like he he really controlled the game, and uh, and all that stuff. So yeah, definitely a bit old, older league. Um, the Pace was a bit different; like it wasn't as fast, but a lot a lot of skilled players there. So and Sebastian, I he actually he was down in Odessa. His captain that year, remember remember Brad McMillan? Yep. So Brad, when I was in Utah, Brad, they called Brad in. For a game in Idaho, it was the last game he ever played pro. He, uh, he blinds like three of our guys. And I got a hold of him. And it, and, uh, well, at first he suckered me in the start of the game and dropped me. Like, out of nowhere, he just suckered me, so I was fired up. And I, my, my switch went off. And I actually might have the clip, I'll try and actually, I think I have it, so I'll send it to you if you can't find it. Um, I like lose my balance at the start, but then I, then I get going. And, he didn't play another game of hockey. So when I got to, to Missouri, he, uh, Sebastian was like, oh, did you fight McMillan? I'm like, yeah. Like, actually, it was unfortunate for Brad because he got a concussion in it and you know, wasn't able to play, and you never want to see that in hockey. But Sebastian was like, like he was like, that that guy like went crazy in the Central League he got like a 900-game suspension against his team. So, so he was like, he, was like, he like gave me a fist bump. He's like, thank you. I was like, for what? Like, You don't want to see someone get hurt. But he was kind of thankful for that in that
1: situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, like yeah. you said, older, tough, tough league. And I mean, actually, ended up yeah. fighting. He ended up fighting Booger Aaron down there. Um, yeah, I did.
0: I uh, one of the small D-men, Well, I, it's actually funny. It happened to me like my first like four games in the Central League. My first game was in Arizona. Pascal morenzi hit check me, and I did a full flip in the air. Full flip, like six foot seven skates vertical like my skates were where my head should have been and i flipped on the ground he just flipped me right over and i got up and he looked at me and i looked at him and he was like he just dropped his gloves because he knew i was coming after him and we went to totally fuck he was a tough motherfucker and we went at it and then i fought adam smith in that game too he jumped me weird smith jumping someone um
1: that seems (laughs) to be a uh, theme yeah
0: yeah it seems to be his, his mo but uh I kind of, and then, uh, yeah, then I thought Boogie, same thing, one of these small demons flipped me in, in our home opener, and, uh, Lison was on that team, but he wasn't on the ice, and I was losing it, so Aaron, like, grabbed me, and he's like, calm down, calm down, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go, and we, we had a good fight, and, uh, you, uh, you see how strong he is, you know, and, um, you know, you don't want to, like, because him and I were always talked after that, and we're good friends, and. And uh, you know, we still went. It was part part of the game. We laughed about it after the game. But he was like, "Riley, wow, you were raging." I'm like, "Man, my home opener! Like, I just got fucking embarrassed by a five foot seven guy. I got flipped again! Like, god damn it!" So it was it was pretty funny. Well, another uh, one name. I a, big boogie.
1: Yeah, well, one name I wanted to throw at you before we move from uh, Justin Sawyer. Oh, I,
0: I I had a lot of trouble fighting him. He. Um, he was, he had undercover long arms as well, so uh I couldn't, I could never get, get set with him, like, I just, he always got the better of me, and oh, and he was, he was a really nice guy, really great-spoken, great, great had nothing but great things about him, but I was just always so mad, like, like, come on, I could never, I could never get going, even the next year, I fought him again when I was in Arizona, and it's the same thing, I was like, damn it, like, what am I doing here? It's a tough guy. It's a You know, it's fortunate. He was tough. He was, tough. He, was, he was a lot stronger than you would think. So his arms were a lot longer, too. as well. Like, I was a bit taller than him, but he had really long arms. So, you know, it was, it was definitely tough to get going.
1: Well, the the next year, like you said, 2013-14 is a crazy session. You start in San Francisco. That would be an interesting place oh, to no. play would be San you Francisco.
0: Know, you want to know the kick to that? Uh-huh. So that year, I... So... <laughs> I signed to go back to Utah in the coast as a player assistant coach, make 800 bucks a week. I'm so pumped. Just had my first And Kevin Pauli's the coach there. So I'm so excited. Like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to be a player assistant coach. I know my career kind of ending, you know, and I always wanted to get into coaching even before Constantine pulled me, um, <laughs> you know, because I always, I was always wanted to be a student of the game and learn. And, and I always ran hockey schools in the summer and, and I loved giving back, and, I, and the hockey gave me so much. And You know, I got to meet my beautiful wife, and I got two great kids, all because of hockey. So like hockey's giving. I got to travel the world. So I always wanted to give back. So, you know, I wanted to get into coaching. I thought it was just to be a good transition. So I was supposed to go back to Utah. And then it was, like, August, and Collie left and went to Arizona. <laughs> so Tim Branham gets called for the new head coach job. And I'm up and recruit players all all summer with him, all this, and he calls me like middle of August and like I'm gonna release you. I'm like, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna release you? I was like, I, said, I was like, why would you tell me when you got the coaching job? You're so excited. You heard nothing but great things. We used to play against each other. Let's build a strong franchise together, or organization. And then, and like I was like, why? Like why? I was like, why couldn't you just been straight fucking honest with me at the start? Like. If you're straight up honest, I said, no hard feelings. I have all summer to try and find somewhere to play and I can get paid. Like, I can make enough to make a living. And sure enough, he's like, I'm sorry. So I was like, Done. So I was like, oh my God. So I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna probably going to retire. So then, my, my advisor at the time got me with St. Charles. So I signed with St. Charles. Chill. And let me tell you about this shit show of a camp. So, I ended up going to, so I end up getting called up to the Springfield camp. I fought, I fought McElrath Yep. at Springfield camp and talk about long arms. Holy shit. I fought him like at the end of my shift. I was, out, I got hemmed in the D zone, probably because I was turning the clock over like crazy and they are just hammering back on us. So I was out there for like two and a half minutes and then he comes on the ice like, Emerson, let's go. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go. But like before we fought, I stood there for 30 seconds to catch my breath so i could fight him because i wanted to fight this young he's 10th t- overall he's a big tough guy in the in in the obviously in the western league so we had a great step i never, i go i'm like oh i got him stringed out i go to throw i got him stringed on the first punch and it misses him because he's got longer arms than me and i'm like oh god damn it like shit so like i'm like oh here we go and uh it was a great we had like a freaking minute and a half fight too i remember that it was awesome um but anyway so i go back Go back to St. So I go back home. My wife and I just had our first kid, um, my son Liam. So I drive down, uh, pack up the truck. I drive to, uh, to St. To Charles. My flight flies in. So we, I pick him up and I get there and we're living in a hotel and I get to the first day of camp. There's 20 guys there. That's all. So we have two teams of like 10. And, um, Anthony, a... Pasani, what was that big, huge, tough guy from Washington area? Uh, and I think it's Anthony Pasani, right? Big, huge, six foot eight guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's there. I'm there. Macway's there. Um, they had uh, Tyler Barr, who was a guy out of the SP who liked the So there's like ten guys on each team, and we're scrimmaging, and everyone's playing hard. Everyone's doing the thing, and Pisani is on the other team, and he hammers a guy on my team. Like you had a, it was like a good clean check, like not like I had like ten of those, and we're at like a team meal at the end. Of the, uh, and my agent called and he's like, "If Pasani hits one of your players, you have to fight him." I was like, "Why?" He goes, "If you like you like." I was like, "Why? Why do I have to fight him?" Like there's there's fucking twenty guys here, ten guys a team. Like we don't need to fight. Like so. Then the next day, rear he's right in your ear, something is ripping him no one's playing with me heart or emotion. So everyone just starts going out melee fighting everyone like it was fucking embarrassing. Like that's not the way hockey is anymore. Like, but like, it, like, it, like, there's a time and a place to fight, but like this was just like everyone fighting for no reason. Like, and so it was like, what the heck? So, like, I go out and I fight. I fight Anthony first shift because I was like, fuck, I'm not gonna have a job. So we go to a to have a good fight, and then this small skilled guy can fight Tyler Bar and get knocked out. Like this guy should not be fighting. But he's some guy who's out of college, wants to play in the Central League. <laughs> he's a St. Louis guy. And so he goes, he doesn't know anything about this bar guy. And this bar knocks him out. Tyler Bar knocks him out like Colt. I just jumped on the ice and one of the we had a guy on our team who was like Kyle Kramer, who's like breaking sticks saying like this isn't hockey, like what the fuck? This is embarrassing. I, I just jumped on the ice, I grabbed Tyler and I said, We're gonna go now. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? So we went total hotel And I remember after, I was just like, I'm fucking out of here. This is embarrassing. Like, So it's like three weeks. I'm in St. Louis, in St. Charles. I'm living in a hotel. We're not getting per diem. We're not getting paid because you don't get paid to like, you don't get your first paycheck until, like, the middle of November. So I'm, we're living off scraps. I'm, like, feeding my family with, like, a breakfast nook. Like, my wife and I would go, we would take the whole breakfast nook and clean it out for the day because they were feeding us hot dogs. Like, like, we'd go to five days and get hot dogs for dinner and lunch. That was our dinner. Because they didn't give us pretty, and they just gave us meals. And that was it. It was like, and then everyone else in the whole team was in their apartment and I wasn't. They were like, oh, we're waiting for you. We're going to get you guys a king-size bed. We're waiting to get you a bed. And finally, walked in. And uh, I was just like, well done. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, so he's like, well, good luck trying to find another team. Like, I just signed in. I just in San Francisco, actually. He's like, what am I? I'm going to the coast. See you later. I was like, you owe me a thousand dollars. I'm not leaving until I get it. And it was crazy. Oh, so, did you get it? Yeah, I got me mad. <laughs> I got, I got it because I didn't leave. So I got it because hey, I needed that money, so I could get to fucking San Francisco to meet the team. Yeah. So luckily, luckily, my wife's family is from California. I Met her when I was playing in Stockton, and um, uh, her family's from there. So they, she just stayed there and like, like that's how you envision your first year with your kid, living in a hotel, living off freaking scraps. Like it's it was it was crazy. Like, so I went to San Francisco, you know, fought Yabo the first time I was there. Like that's why they brought me in. Like brought me in, yeah. Awesome. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So uh it was great, San Francisco was great, but uh they were going so Chuck Crucial called me in Emmer, and you know waiver so I was like why? Like I'm doing well blah 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 he's like the team's going bankrupt. You have a family, the guys aren't gonna be getting paid. So I was like, Oh he goes, Yeah you have a family so I'm going to put you on waivers Fort Wayne's called about you maybe he'll pick you up or whatever so that that's all so I definitely thank him because you like you have a family you need to take care of your family and you know I definitely really respected that and uh, it was uh, it was good when I got picked up by Smurf yep yeah. well, I'm,
1: I'm, lo- I'm losing you you're going in and out here oh. oh there you
0: go yeah is that better now yep sorry got a terrible exception. So, yeah, so, um. So you get picked up by players Jason, players
1: Jason Christie, for those Jason, listening.
0: Jason Christie. And, uh, he was awesome. Called Smurf. And he was a very technical coach and he was great. And Ontario was unbelievable. One of the greatest cities my wife and I like playing at. It was awesome. They were great, great fans, great arena, um, great group of guys. It was so much fun. So much fun.
1: <clears throat> and then, unfortunately, and then what happened? Cause you end up in Arizona in the Central League.
0: Well, we were like, we were just tearing it up that year too. We lost like three games on the weekend, and he just started trading everyone. So he like called me in Thursday. San Francisco just folded. So we We're trying to get all these guys from San Francisco to come in. <laughs> so he's like, Riley, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on waivers. But I want to re-sign you on Monday. I was like, what? Because I'm gonna put you on waivers, but I don't want to resign you on Monday. I'm like, fuck off, like no. So, don't even think about it, Samara. a matter of fact, I of like, it's a business, I understand. No. Like, the damage is done. Thank you so much for, for you know, taking care of my family and for because they were first caught there. And, uh, and then, uh, and for my, my best buddy, who was one of my best men at my wedding, Kevin Baker, was down in Arizona. And I'm like, hey, I just got released from Ontario. He's like, trapped in Arizona right now. And Collie was there. So, Collie's calling me. And I was kind of riled at Collie for leaving. And then I was like, kind of blowing him off. And then, the morning I woke up and I was like, All right, I'm in. And I was like, Good, your flight leaves in an hour. He already booked the flight for me. So I remember I booked my flight Saturday morning, got down to, to Prescott, raced in. Guys are going on the ice during the first period. And I go out there, first shift, score, tip, tip a goal in, tips point shot goal in, crowd goes crazy. Like, And Justin Sawyer was suspended. <laughs> And it was so funny and I saw him after. He's like, No way, you score first shift coming in fifteen minutes late to a game. I'm like, Yeah, no big deal. And Arizona was great. We had a really good team. We had a lot of uh, old vets and little tough guys like Tommy Maxwell was there and and myself, Justin Pender, Michael Couch a really good group of guys and you know, we, we got hot and then we just couldn't do it at the end. I got hurt in my knees, so I was like a player assistant coach there. So they kept me around and were paying me. Uh uh, so it was, it was awesome. It was a great, great city, great town as well. I'm very unfortunate that uh, they couldn't stick around because I think, honestly think that team in the coast would have done really well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. That's a, a life of, uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, life of minor league hockey sometimes reared its ugly yeah, head that exactly. year. Um, so, I mean, that had to take the, the piss out of you. Like at that point where you just yeah. like, this is, I'm done wow. with this.
0: Yeah, I, I I I pretty much like had kind it of in my mind. I was like, I think I'm going to retire after this year, and then, um, you know, like like you know, I was fortunate enough that um, one of the guys I played with in Missouri, Matt Crew, was talking to Edinburgh at the time, and he had a family, but he wasn't sure if he wanted to go there. And then they wanted some toughness. He's like, you know, so the guy asked, like, you know, you toughness, and he's like, well, Riley Emerson. So then Edinburgh contacted me, and uh, that's how I got over there. And, um, I didn't know really what, what to expect much, but, you know, I talked to Kinger a bit, you know, and he's like, you know, when do you go there? Um, my, uh, Mike Bayrock, who I played with for a couple of years, played over, over there. And he's, he's like, <laughs> a lot of things they don't tell you. He's like, get your council tax included in your contract. Make sure it's documented.
1: Uh, what uh, could you? What was that again? You get what? He's like, get your council tax.
0: Which is like your sewage, your 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 garbage, and all this stuff. So it ends up being like uh, like twelve hundred pounds for the year. So it's a lot of money, and they don't tell you about it, and then they stick you with the bill. Uh uh-huh. So you know, so so I I think a lot of the teams now they're they're letting guys know you have to pay your utilities and stuff like that. So when I when I was going over there and negotiating and talking, I said, okay, well, I want my utilities and my council tax paid for. They're like, oh. And and I was like, you know, I'm not going to come. And they're like, okay. So, um, we ended, I, uh, so I ended up going over there and uh, didn't really know much about Edinburgh. I just heard uh, I was going to go there. And, was, and when I was talking to Kinger, he said, it's a terrible rink, amazing city, but you're going to play a ton of hockey. He goes, they don't have anyone else. They just play their imports and you're going to play a ton. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go play a ton. And, you know, we, my wife and I wanted to go to the UK and Edinburgh really hadn't had a tough guy in a while. So when I got over there, I walk into the rink. I'm like, what is this? But uh, I was like, Oh my gosh, like dress rooms, terrible. I was like, Oh no. Oh no. But you know what? It was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was an organization that was like just dying for some life and, you know, wasn't a uh, great fan base and everything. But my first game, uh, first shift against Belfast, I got a 10 game suspension for a clean hit. our video guy forgot forgot to hit the record button so there was no video of it I didn't even get a penalty on the play and I get called in the office like a day later like you've been suspended for 10 games I'm like why and they're like I don't know so we we fought it we cost our team a thousand pounds which they didn't have to fork out and it got reduced to three but I was like come on Like, what am I getting myself into So, and and like, you know, after you have a big hit when you play in hockey, like, you expect someone to come after you and fight you. And Belfast had Kiefer and Loiter and all that, and they had a tough team, but like, they weren't on the ice, and they were so short handed already. Like, I think they had two injuries the night before they played us, and they're like, they only had like seven forwards. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. So, um, it it was crazy. And then my next game back, I, I scored. I got. had one or two goals or something like that, and I ended up. I just played a ton, and I kind of fell back in love with hockey, like just as a player. Like, I just got to play hockey, and you know, and I ended up putting up like 15 goals that year. It was unbelievable. Well, so, I, I, was gonna, I was.
1: was going to say you're uh, you're Bo Dangles over there. You know, 45 games, oh, 29 points. They're probably thinking the second coming coming here.
0: It was absolutely crazy. Hey, I know. Um, I play with a lot of skilled players. Um, I know that Joe talked about like Richard Hartman, and uh, Richard was older and he was a different personality, but fuck, he was a hell of a hockey player. This guy was so skilled; like he could find areas to put pucks. And you know, if he was like ten years younger, like he like, he was so skilled, it was ridiculous. And I got to play with Rene who was another um, guy from Czechoslovakia or Slovakia, and he was so skilled. And he would just he could he could speak English okay, but he'd be like Riley you go here, stand here, I get you puck. And I was like, okay. And he would get the puck, and I put it in, and it was awesome. And it was easy when you get to play with skilled players, so um, you know, it, it, it was good, and it was uh, it was a great year. The organizations, you know, Edinburgh definitely wasn't the best run, but, you know, Scott, and you know, the owner, did his best job, and, you know, it was just pretty much him and, and another girl, Bonnie, who worked there, who did awesome, and then there's George, who was like a park owner, who was awesome, and did whatever he can. I still talk to George to this day. He comes and visits every year <laughs> the family. Now it's for here, so him and I have become close. But um, it sucks that there's no, you know, leaving hockey there anymore. So um, I kind of got forced out, which was sad because that fan base was passionate there. They were passionate. I'll tell you that they love their they love their hockey there. So, But, uh, yeah, I got to fight some good names over there, too. I like to have them. On my belt. So it was, was a fun time.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, everybody I've talked to that's gone over there says, said the same thing you're saying. Like, the fans are unbelievably Mm -hmm. passionate about the game. And, uh, I know I've, I've gotten to more than a few, uh, Twitter battles with a couple of them because I get annoyed with their Mm -hmm. Homerism sometimes, but they're definitely. But of
0: course, of course they're going to be homers, It's their team. Like, I get it. They love their team no matter what. So yeah, yeah, that's their understanding. They're, they're like Brayhead. They're diehead Brayhead fans. Yeah. I understand. They love Brayhead. They hate. The Edinburgh Capitals, like, and he was he a funny story about. So on Twitter, people were like calling me out for having like a schizo. Like everyone's like, he twitches on the ice. He twitches. He talks to himself. And I was like, okay, and like my wife and I thought it was so funny. So like, you know how I told you earlier, like I got I put Vaseline all over my face. Yep. So it never affected me. So I got over to Edinburgh because I never really got to sweat in the game. So they didn't play as much. So in Edinburgh, I was playing a and the Vaseline would make my sweat, um, like, bubble. And it would stay on my eyelids, and then it would get in my eyes. So I'd twitch my, I'd shake my head to so get the sweat away from my eyes. So everyone thought, all these fans thought I was, like, a psychopath, and it was so funny. Like, oh <laughs> well, my wife and I laughed so hard. Like, we thought it was awesome, and, and I, we absolutely loved it. Like, you do twitch. And then my wife's like, oh, my God, like, I saw what you do. And I was like, I had freaking sweat in my eyes. Can you get off my back? Like, come on. Like oh it was so it was so much fun and like the fans are like you said yeah they they can't be homers but they're just so passionate about their clubs and you know they're they're there to support you and and you love it and sometimes like they may not have the best hockey knowledge but you know what they're the ones paying the bills for you they're yep. they're putting their money to watch you play so you got to respect that as well so.
1: Well, one of the I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Of course, my guest from last week was on the show, and a very polarizing figure over in the UK. And I got all oh, the messages I got about him afterwards were from the from listeners. Um, was Joe Grimaldi and, um, yeah. Grim Daddy
0: Grim, Daddy himself.
1: Yeah, and of course, yeah, uh, the, the helmet throwing incident with you guys. Um,
0: uh, what do you think? You know, a lot of what Joe said about his incident, you know, well, it was true. He was coming off a really serious concussion. He, uh, you know, like he said, he got tangled up with Zach. I remember it was on the ice, he he flashed, like, this is the beginning, he flashed Zach, and you don't fucking flash Zach Fitzgerald without something happening to you. Yeah. And so, like Joe said, he probably wasn't ready to fight, you know, and then Zach turned around and forced the issue and, and fucking smashed him. And, and then when Joe went down, he fucking smoked it. So there was blood everywhere. And I know right when I saw that blood, I went nuts. I, I chased Zach into the penalty box after that, like, because, like, I didn't see it all happen. And when I was turning back, it was, it was, like, behind the play. When I was turning back, Joe was on the ground. There was blood everywhere, and I didn't know what happened. I didn't care who it was. It was one of my teammates. So I was going after Zach in the penalty box. And I remember I got tossed, and Joe came, too, and he went to the locker room, and I got tossed out of the game. And Joe's sitting in there, and, just fucking, and he's looking in the mirror, and there's his blood everywhere. And Joe's like, "Does like does it look as bad as it looks?" And he and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like he was split open so bad, and it was a really bad concussion. And we didn't see him for like a month. And then when he came back, yeah, the whole thing happened, and the the helmet throwing issue, and and you know Joe's switch went off. And sometimes you you do lose, and he did. And you know what he went out with a bang. Yep. That's all you can say, he went out with a bang. It made national news and not many people can say that so you know it's it sucks for the incident but you know with the bang and he went out perfect joe grimaldi style that's all you got to say and you know what he is you know a lot of guys could say they didn't like him or fans like him or people like him he's getting into it with everyone do what he was he and him and i were always nice to each other he, and he was a nice guy he could rub people the wrong way but i'm sure that happened with me people probably didn't like me either that's just the part of life you don't love everyone you know, you don't choose, you don't get to choose your teammates. You're brought together as a group and you have to learn to bond. And sometimes you become best friends, sometimes you don't. And that's just how it is. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't mind Joe at all. You know, he, he actually wasn't a bad hockey player. He just let everything else get so wrapped up. He he got wrapped up in everything else. And, you know, and what can you do? Because he, he was actually pretty, in my opinion, he was skilled. Oh, yeah. You know, but he let everything else, he let everything else, uh, you know, get a hold of him. He played with a ton of emotion. And, you know, it's it's just unfortunate, but he went out. He went out Joe Grimaldi style. So, you know, he, he went out in style. So it, it was. <laughs> I still remember, like he told the story. He when when it happened, and we were all going to the locker after the room, and our locker room was silent. And our coach and Hartman goes, "What the fuck?" Joe's like, "I was fighting for my life," and I, I was like, "I'm like, holy fuck, you threw your helmet," and everyone just started fucking dying, laughing like. It was crazy and you know he he ended up going home the next day and and all that but uh it, it was it was a story and half that will probably never be forgotten so you know what everyone can hate Joe they hate Joe all they want but you know what he he, he left everyone with a good story so well and I, you know I, and, for, and fortunate, fortunate unfortunate that no one was seriously hurt in that incident you know if someone was seriously hurt in that incident there would have been more repercussions obviously so we can be thankful that no one was seriously hurt. Yeah. He went out, he went out Grim Daddy style. Well,
1: yeah. Well, they gave 20 some games and like you just mentioned earlier with your hit getting 10. I mean, this has been, and this has been an issue. Yeah. Well, and I talked to Joe about this and I've, I've yelled and ranted and screamed on Twitter about this. Uh, the Department of Player Safety over there. Man, it is, I don't know. It is some ticky tacky shit.
0: inconsistent, yeah. I had two suspensions there my second one was definitely worthy you know, I hit Matt Hayward from behind pretty bad, broke his collarbone I, I got suspended and I deserved it you know, my first one I probably didn't you know, I think I think they're, they're getting It's very inconsistent, but I haven't really kept up on the Elite League too much, but I think it's getting a bit better with, with, with it, hopefully I'm not too, too sure, so I'm hoping it's getting better in the transition, I know the hockey's getting a lot fucking better, I'll tell you that so that's a step in the right direction so, you know, everyone can be thankful for that. The hockey's doing a lot better over there. You know, the Brits are getting better. We have Liam Kirk, who's playing in the, in the OHL now, drafted in the NHL. I think he's, like, 15th and scored in the, in the O, like, GB's back in the World Championship. They're taking a step in the right direction. So that's, you know, the main thing. Hopefully they get the DLPS settled. So I'm not too familiar with uh, to talk to you about it later. So.
1: But, uh, well, the following year you go back again. But this time, uh, did I read right you're the coach?
0: Reggie Dunlop.
1: Yeah. Their
0: head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of contacts back in North America, and I recruited a team, and we had a really good team until everyone left. Like 10 guys quit, which is unfortunate, but do I blame them? No. Like, it was it's a lot of guys. It was a wake-up call for a lot of guys, and, um, you know... We're going on a bus trip and, and we have fans on the bus and we're going to Belfast. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of teams did there or not, but it was like eight in the morning and guys are trying to rest on the way to Belfast. And, you know, I love the fans in Edinburgh. I love them. I still talk to And it's like, they're a shit taste. <laughs> Breaking bottles on the bus by, you know, by a bottle, uh, uh, a cider bottle falls and smashes on the floor. Like, everyone's like, what the fuck is this? You know, and we had an apartment that the guys moved into and it wasn't clean before and there was like dildos. And it was, it looked like it had been rented out from a bunch of, like, hookers. And everyone's like, what the heck? Like, so, like, four guys quit, like, within a month there. You know, but before everyone quit, we were, we were doing really well. We were beating all the top teams and, and and doing quite well. And, you know, it still ended up being a fun year, even though, uh, everyone quit and actually ended up breaking my arm at the end of the year. And that was the end of my career, which was unfortunate, but, uh, it definitely, and that was a. It did leave a bit of a sour taste. I was one game away from 500 pro play. oh, so that sucks. But um that yeah, was player head coach, and that yeah, was fun. It got my, you know, I was definitely really young and, and inexperienced. Maybe I could have I could have had a couple years as a player assistant to learn more. But you know, I I kind of jumped into it fast. I'm sure I probably could have went to Nottingham or a bigger club because like you said i put up like 15 goals here before fought westy and salters and all those big tough guys and you know held my own against those guys so i probably could have went to a bigger club and made more money so but you know i kind of had this vision i wanted to coach and you know turn an organization around and you know, obviously it didn't work out but you know i got no hard, hard feelings without it so
1: well, and like you said, if you're going to what
0: coach, the,
1: the hardest part in the minors, is if you're co- and I've had friends that have done it and stuff, I mean, if you have ownership and the and the money's not there and, and things aren't being yeah. met, I mean, as a coach, I mean, you can only say so much, right? I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. you need that help from ownership, and if they're not going to give it to you, yeah, to, you know, you can only band-aid things exactly. so much as a coach. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's
0: always unfortunate, but, you know, I will say Edinburgh is an unbelievable city like great city like it's the best city around in, in, in Scotland like it's so much fun grass market going to the castle going up Princess street like oh so much fun my wife and I loved it over there we cherish we cherished our memories there we you know we had our got to bring our, our oldest son over there who's there for two years and we very taught we planned on going back and you know, visiting everyone, and we still talk to a lot of people over there. So, you know, like you know, the hockey towards the end wasn't the best because you know it was a bit of a shit show. And but we still loved our time over there. And you know, I honestly, if if any other players who are still playing, listen to this. Like, if you get a chance to over there, like go. Like, it's a great experience. Um, you know, the hockey's getting a lot better in, in the league, and and um, you know, it, it's a fun and it's nice to go there because there's no barrier for for speaking like it's English, yeah. so you yeah. you know they have a different they have a they may have a different lifestyle like when i get over my first year we all went to lunch and i ordered a water and the waitress looked at me like i was a freaking idiot because i didn't order a pint she's like you mean you want a pint i was like uh i had water she's like what and she gave me like the biggest look of disgust because i didn't order a beer i was like oh i guess i'll have a beer which i don't mind beer i love beer don't, don't get me wrong but uh it was awesome. Great, great lifestyle, great little pubs, amazing. I learned, uh, and I learned to drink scotch properly. And I absolutely <laughs> love scotch now. And, um, like we went to the scotch tasting at the Edinburgh Museum. They teach you how to drink it, they teach you how to smell it, and, and it's, it's amazing. It's just a great experience. And, you know, hopefully Edinburgh can get back into the elite league and, you know, cause Murrayfield, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different barn. It's a tough barn to play in if you're a visiting team. So, you know, um it's great though we got to, my wife a I. we got to see Scotland play Wales in in uh in rugby in front of like 80,000 people like one of my greatest moments yeah. in all of my playing was seeing 80,000 people sing the flower of scotland from people from wales and scotland all together united as one and it was amazing just amazing like i got chills down my back like thinking about it so like it was awesome awesome
1: yeah, I mean, everybody I've talked to that has gone over there, they always, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, maybe ending up your career there. And if you got a couple years left, they all, everyone suggest, hey, it's a chance to get to Europe on someone's dime and play some hockey. And, uh, yeah, I've never yeah. heard it. I've never heard anyone ever complain about it. That's for sure. You know, and, yeah, and um,
0: obviously be like, and be professional over when you go over there. Like you're there to do a job. Yeah, like you can have your fun. And you just got to pick your spots. You got to be smart about it. Like you're getting paid to play hockey. Like be smart about it when you're over there. Yep. You know, be professional. But when it's time to go out and have fun, go have fun. But when it's time to work, you got to work. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's how it that's how it should be.
1: So. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, yeah. there's the the life of Riley. There, the, the, oh. the the hockey timeline oh. of Riley Emerson, man. It was. Um, oh, it's crazy. Well, how
0: were? It's a wild ride. It's a wild ride
1: it definitely was and uh well how are you how are you feeling these days how are the hands and the knees and uh and everything and and what and what are you up to and what are you up to these days
0: um well after i retired i um my family and a bunch of people they know own a gravel pit so um i figured if i'm gonna be a part owner one day i might as well learn what's going on so i um i get to work on a big gravel quarry we turn big rock into little rock and uh I uh run heavy machinery and run the plants and you know do maintenance there and you know we have a really nice group of guys and um it's a good time so you know I enjoy it. Um long days so though ten hour days but uh, I'm coaching uh minor hockey, I coach major manham for B C hockey. Uh the Valley West Giants, so I got thirteen, fourteen year olds and um, we got a pretty you know like academy hockey is pretty big out in bc here and it's kind of transitioning now so yeah. you know bc hockey is trying to rival it and, and, and go back and forth so i'm coaching uh 13 14 year olds and i'm absolutely loving it uh i got a really good group of kids like i have a lot of fun so i've been coaching minor hockey for three four years now after i retired and you know i just had to get back and, and share my experiences with the kids like i'm not you know, I, I hold I hold these kids accountable when they make mistakes. I teach, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a leader, I'm a role model, I'm a mentor to these kids. You know, I, I don't just try and teach them hockey, because all these kids are going to play in the NHL, so they need to know that. So I'm trying to teach lots, lots of life skills, like speaking up for themselves and not being afraid to talk, like to, to talk, but speak up. Like if something's wrong, speak up. I want you to talk. So I'm trying to transition into these kids. Like if they're going to be late for practice, call me you know so I'm, i use the example i'm like if you're 18 years old and you're working at mcdonald's and you're going to be late for work or miss work you're just not going to do anything about it you're gonna call yeah. you know so I'm, I'm trying to get those life experiences and you know we got a couple of really good players on our team this year and i got a great group of kids and um you know so i'm just you know trying to uh you know build these kids you know not just hockey wise but you know life wise as well so it's great and it's really it's really good hockey like my assistant coach is scott ramsey played in the western league forever he's uh he's going for his phd in concussions right now he works for bc children's hospital as well so he's my assistant coach and um talk about a good guy to have an assistant coach oh unreal um so him and i jump out we 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 don't play for a couple weeks we only get three on three games so him and i jumped out these kids are so freaking skilled now it's funny like yeah. Darren, I'm telling you. Like I was yeah, like, I oh my god, they're so fast. I'm like, because I'm 13, 14 years old. Like it doesn't help, but I'm like 300 pounds now, like six eight. Like I worried so much playing wise about my weight that after I retired, I was just like, fuck this. Like I'm going to, do I'm going to drink. I'm going to have fun, and you know, I'm going to be a dad and my kids in hockey too. So I get to coach him, and I'm coaching these kids, and I should probably hit a gym up so I don't like, like die. No, I'm just kidding. I won't. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. By I, oh, I crazy know, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I but I love my I love my beers, and you know, I love you know, I love watching my kids grow up and stuff like that. So, but we jumped out with, the, with the, our group, and oh, I thought it was, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. I was like, these kids are so fast and skilled now; it's ridiculous. So, you know, so for me, it's like, okay, you guys are fast, you're skilled now. Now I got to teach you guys to play the right way. You know, and that's all it is. It's like you guys got to get ready to paddle. You gotta learn the little things about the game and like the little the little hawks that's in the game that are gonna make or break yep. You know, especially at 13, 14 years old and bad on hockey, you know. If you get these habits and still do them at a young age, you know, it's gonna it's gonna help them a lot when they're older, so um, especially hockey wise as well. So that's just what I'm trying to give back. But you know, I'm uh, I, I, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm, I'm loving being able to watch my two kids grow up. You know they're probably both going to be seven foot five basketball players, so I don't know why I'm getting so excited about my my oldest playing hockey. But <laughs> hey, play, uh, go basketball—that's yeah. <laughs> where the money is. Uh. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. My dad played big time basketball. He was he played Simon uh, Fraser University. And then my dad played actually national rugby as well, so he was quite the athlete when he was younger. So um, it's fun. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. and uh, Long days when I'm coaching, but, uh, I love, I love being able to, uh, sleep in, pretty much sleep in my bed every night with my kids and, and, uh, see my kids every day. So it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely thankful, you know, and, and I got all of this because of hockey, you know. That's
1: oh, that's, so I'm definitely very thankful. Well, that's awesome, and like oh. I said those kids. That's great that they have. I mean, when you got a guy that's gone through, uh, been through the wars and a ten-year pro. I mean, those. Uh, the, hopefully, the kids listening. I mean, your coach there has lots of life experience and hockey experience, and you are very lucky yeah. to be to be getting coached <laughs> by him. And you can learn a few things. Yeah. Don't uh, don't just look <laughs> at hockey <laughs> DB. <laughs> don't look at hockey DB <laughs> <laughs> in the one point in the Western League. Don't worry about that.
0: Okay, two points, one up, one uh, up. and an assist. I think I, I, think I chiseled the assist. So though probably only one, but
1: um, uh, no, nah. <laughs> hockey's far, hockey's far going, more exactly. than the stat column. Yeah, so uh,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. It, but uh, it was awesome, man, and I enjoyed talking and. You know, sharing my story and, and hopefully everyone has a good listen and, you know, it's definitely big shoes to follow with Grim Daddy <laughs> coming behind Grim Daddy here, but, uh.
1: Well, I can guarantee you're not uh, going to get the hate that he got. I know that. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> uh, well, maybe everyone thinks I'm a schizo, so, and I, and I talk to myself, but, uh, um, no, it was great, man. And I, I was very fortunate and, you know, I was very fortunate and I fought a lot of warriors and a lot of really fucking tough people. Um, I'm definitely very fortunate. I didn't really get too many concussions where it affects me now. So, you know, I'm very thankful, you know. Um, my hands are definitely sores. So I I like I pop lots of a leave for my hands, so um but uh p- part of the war wounds and uh I'm definitely very thankful though. Um didn't get beat up too bad so but if I got one story we can end on and everyone will laugh at you know how I played with Cass in, in Texas. We, kept, we became pretty close, my Cassie and I so When I'm in Rochester, he's in Houston and uh, we we end up fighting, but so it's like the middle of the second period and Matt's on the ice and I just get on and Matt stays out and the next line goes and (laughs) this player, I forget his name, he's like Matt, he was was foreign, he's like, Matt, you're supposed to change and Matt's like, no. And the coach is like, but coach says get off the ice. He's like, no, I'm not getting off the ice because we're going to fight. And the guy's like standing there awkwardly and there's like six guys on the ice and everyone's just waiting and Matt's like, Get off the ice so I can fight Riley. Okay, so the guy like slowly skates off the ice. They drop the puck and we square it up, and I could not stop laughing. Like we're about to fight. Like I could get my head punched in, but I'm laughing so hard because all I picture is this kid trying to tell Matt to get off the ice, and Matt's like, "No, Riley and I are fighting right now because we were up like one or two nothing, and and he was you no know, doing his job and, and and stuff like that." But I couldn't like I couldn't stop laughing like. Like that's just my personality. I like to fight because I knew I had a fight, and I I enjoyed fighting because I was big and and I was always a you know I never really lost my mind too too much, but uh, I just remember squaring up and I couldn't stop freaking pissing myself laughing. But, so I was about to go into a fight with a six foot five,
1: six foot, six foot five six, monster
0: ends up, up, up playing in the National Hockey League, so it was absolutely funny. And uh, like Pat and, and I went for a beer after the game, and he was like seriously, like, and after the fight, it was so funny, we in the box, he's like, when did you learn to throw next? I was like, well, I didn't want to get fucking knocked out again by you, so I had to learn something, so it was absolutely <laughs> just crazy. Well,
1: that's awesome, well, man, that was so much fun. It, Yeah, it was, it was great that you came on here and shared the stories, and, uh, I know, oh, the, I know, is. I know the listeners are really going to appreciate it, and, uh, I had a lot of people I told that you were coming on, and, uh, like I said, I got a lot of followers are, are, are pumped to hear from you, and you got a lot of fans still over in the UK, and, uh. No man, it yeah. was great, and thank you for reaching out because, uh, you know, like oh, we've no, been talking man. about on Twitter, and uh, it's great to hear that you're doing well and uh, and uh, looking back. On, one last question: When you look back yeah. on it, would you do it all over again? No regrets.
0: Oh, no regrets, hundred percent. And like Kelly Chase said, probably with a little bit more fire. You know, yeah. I probably would have fought a couple of different guys and and stuff like that. But no regrets at all. Like like I said, hockey's given me so much, and maybe if I fought a guy. When I was younger here, my life wouldn't have brought me where I am now. So I'd, I I zero regrets in that aspect. Tremendous, so, absolutely love, love zero. It. So, but you know, I definitely would have, like, I would have done it with a little bit more fire, maybe losing my mind a bit more. So, <laughs> it was great. Uh, th- thank you for having me on, and you know, hopefully everyone enjoys it. So,
1: absolutely, man. Well, thank you very much. I won't sure. keep you any longer, but uh, thank you and uh, and have a good night, man. Take it easy.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you.